0: Oh.
1: Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a f- big television. Choose washing machines, cars, compact displays and electrical tin openings. Choose good health, low cholesterol and dental insurance. Choose fixed interest mortgage repayments. Choose a starter home. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a three-piece suite on higher purchase and a range of fabrics choose diy and wondering who the you are on a sunday morning choose sitting on that couch watching mind-numbing spirit-crushing game shows stuffing junk food into your mouth choose rotting away at the end of it all You're last in a miserable home nothing more than an embarrassment to the selfish up brats that you've spawned to replace yourselves choose your future choose life Why would I want to do a thing like that? I chose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got a head on?
2: Hello, it is 5 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 5 and this the month of April. In the year of our Lord, 2009, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the lushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for coming along and joining us. It is 503-228-4101 if you'd like to uh, be part of today's program. 503-228-4101. Uh, with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetchies, ruminations, ponderings, whatever it is uh, you might have on this Thursday. It's 503-228-4101 or 1-800-344-KUFO. Uh, coming up later on the day, we have a CNN radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum, will be uh, joining us from New York City. Also, a CNN radio correspondent, Jim Roop from Los Angeles, who,
3: I swear to God,
2: is talking about Octomom, the musical. Uh, We also have uh, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week Who's going to be joining us We'll have Lost in 408 with Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon And uh, today's top five, which is actually yesterday's top five Which we have now planned forward We don't bump things, we don't scratch things We don't fail to get to things anymore We plan them forward to a subsequent day Uh, So yesterday's top five, uh, we will actually get to today That is the top five drug songs Written by someone who has clearly never done drugs Uh, That's coming up today so that will uh, immediately follow Lost in uh, 408. Let's see what else. I think we have a uh, geek watch of some kind coming up today. Uh, Brett Michaels tickets, another pair of tickets to see Brett Michaels at the Roseland, which is May 6th. Uh, you and a guest will win passes to see Brett Michaels, as well as a meet and greet and the chance to go on stage and perform the final song of the night. Nothing but a good time right there, side by side with uh, Brett Michaels himself. So that is uh, coming up today. It's 503 228 Oh, 01. We also have our interview with Chris Cornell uh, of Soundgarden, Audio Slave, and Chris Cornell fame. Uh, that was taped uh, last night, so we will. Uh, which is a whole story, kind of in and of itself, because there's we're at the Crystal Ballroom, and the Crystal Ballroom, of course, is you know it's multiple levels. There's Lola's room, which is down below, and there's the actual Crystal, which is which is up above. And the great thing about the Crystal Ballroom is it's got that you know that kind of spring-loaded floor where everything sort of you know moves up and down, and the whole thing kind of you know has sort of a creaky charm to it occasionally. Um, and if you add to that the fact that the opening band is on stage, the interview actually—I was listening to it this morning—it actually ended up sounding sounding really good. But there was this moment where we were kind of unclear as to how it was going to come out, only because as we were doing the level test, there was a lot of boom, 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 boom in the background. The entire time, which was the the opening act. So, there was was, uh, somewhere, probably on film, there was a bizarre role play that happens where Sarah is pretending to be Chris Cornell, and I'm pretending to be me doing the interview while we're trying to figure out exactly how loud the background noise is going to be. And I think we ended up going to about three different locations. I think originally it was going to be in Lola's room, then it was going to be in the hallway, then... Uh, I think we actually moved it into the dressing room and did the recording there. But um, anyway, so that's coming up later on today. We'll have the interview with Chris Cornell, who performed last night at uh, the Crystal Ballroom. It is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You can also email if you like. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or nibbler at KUFO. Uh, dot com. We are joined today, by, as always, by the uh, lovely and talented Sarah Extellan. How are you doing today?
4: Hello, I'm doing well. I'm kind of bummed out that I missed the Chris Cornell interview, but I just couldn't wait any longer. Oh,
2: that's right, because you actually weren't even able to stick around because you had uh, you had some stuff you had to, uh, to attend to. Well, you don't have a TiVo, unfortunately, which is a uniquely Western problem, but we were kind of setting up um, the interview and kind of getting all the levels tested, which was just sort of an ordeal in and of itself. which is just trying to find a place where that opening, and I'm not sure who the opening act was, but I do know that they were... Uh, they were a band of substantial volume. <laughs>
4: they were very, very loud,
2: and that sound was just booming through the floor of the crystal, which of course is the ceiling of, of Lola's room. And Jerome and Rebecca, who were doing the photography, they were doing the, the camera work uh, for the. You know, they were videotaping the interviews. We did it. We were kind of moving from one place to another, switching from one kind of microphone to another, trying to find something where we wouldn't, in the background, kind of hear. Uh, I think I think by the time we got ready to roll the interview, they were playing the band upstairs was playing War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Which is like the loudest song on earth, anyway, and it was just echoing down through the floor like we were inside some sort of uh, like an echo chamber filled with spinning ball bearings. Um, and so, by the time that got set up, I know you were looking at your watch and you're watching.
4: Like, I gotta get home to watch Lost. I'm kind of bummed that I missed it, but well, it's you'll I have to prioritize. I have to prioritize with my dorkiness by actually like. Not missing Lost.
2: Excellent. So are you uh, looking forward to recapping last night's episode? Because last it wasn't new, or it wasn't a, a recap last night. It wasn't like no, a it was brand, a brand new episode. Yeah, it was a brand new one. Fantastic.
4: It was good. It was, um, yeah, a lot of the characters, they don't focus on a lot. It was um, their character-centric, so it was a really good episode. Excellent. Yes, yeah, so I watched it over at my friend's house, and she um, hung out with my friends, and then um, b- my friend actually found a baby mouse in her kitchen yesterday. So uh, it was us hanging out with like this little tiny mouse, which is the tiniest thing I've ever seen. It was about less than an inch, uh, less than an inch big. Its eyes aren't even open. Does she
2: have mice in general?
4: She had mice. She found out that she had uh, mice living in her oven.
5: Why would? I mean, <laughs> it sounds like something out of a cruel nursery rhyme. Seriously,
4: <laughs> and it does have a burned little tail too. It was so sad. Well, it's because it's maybe.
2: I mean, that seems like a Darwinism in action, uh, kind of a thing. It seems like the, the mouse that isn't smart enough to move out of the oven doesn't grow up to have mice of its own.
4: Well, it was in the um, not in the oven, but there's the um, the insulation, like between the top part of the oven, between the burners and, like, the inside. And there's all this insulation, which I've never seen in an oven. And uh, sure enough, there's this mother mouse who had babies and was living inside of the oven.
2: It still seems ill-advised. I mean, just in terms of it being
5: a place of residence.
4: Oh, no, it was sad. There's, like, this little tiny mouse and its its tail was burned. Oh, that's like Mrs. Frisbee and the rats of, ow, ow.
5: Was it brought to Dove Lewis? <laughs> that would be a good publicity thing. No, she does. A matchbox. She
4: has it like in a little box with a heating pad, and um, we did some research on the internet and found out that if you feed it um, like puppy formula, then it should be okay. So she's, <laughs> so she woke up. Bless her heart. Lisa's the sweetest thing ever. She woke up every hour last night to feed. I a, have to
2: go tend to a baby mouse with no tail.
4: A tiny little baby mouse, puppy That's formula. Right. Yeah, it was adorable.
2: That's fantastic. So it that is- was my
4: night. Baby mice and uh, lost. It
2: is five zero three two two eight four one zero one five zero three two two eight. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk this morning, your personal savior, the one and only Tim
6: Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Six
5: probable swine flu cases are reported in Washington State. Three are in King County, that includes Seattle. Two are in Snohomish County, just north of Seattle. And one in Spokane County in northeast Washington. Meanwhile, 14 people are being tested for the swine flu here in Oregon, although there are no confirmed cases as of yet. A 31-year-old Oregon City man has been arrested for allegedly pipping a 16-year-old girl over the internet. Justin Blackledge has been charged with 15 sex-related charges for the girl's services between June and September of last year. Police also say the girl's family told police the alleged pipping was still going on. Blackledge being held on $250,000 bail.
2: Someday when I form a metal band, it's going to be called Blackledge. Also, back on the... I hate to say this. Back on the swine flu issue for a moment. Yes. Seems didn't it seem for it was one uh, golden moment yesterday when it felt like we were going to be able to move on and never have to use those two syllables again. No. So they're testing how many people wear for this. Okay. Here they are testing 14 people. Okay. So here's my question: If if all of the symptoms of uh, the swine flu are are the same as the symptoms for the for other flu-like uh, ailments, how is it that they know how to
5: test you for this? I mean, in other words, what are the symptoms that swine flu has that are different from the symptoms of every other flu? It says the samples were collected 14 people who have flu-like symptoms and went to the doctor or hospital to seek aid. So uh, it says here, the bottom line is if you're sick with respiratory illness, fever, cough, runny nose, sore throat, or feeling badly, stay home until you are well. The health department is awaiting the arrival of antiviral medications and masks, which don't work. <laughs> But people in the mask business, can't we go to, like, a costume shop and get, like, a, a, a Rob and the Boy Wonder I should, mask? I should totally just begin walking
2: around on, like, one of those V for Vendetta masks and just, like... I have two at home. Well, you know, the oh, swag I'm flu. We, I should, we, we should try some sort of experiment to see, like, what is the most absurd mask you could possibly get away with just sort of wandering the, the streets in. So we're waiting for the flu vaccine which of course which of course just makes you sicker mm-hmm. and masks which don't work right but other than that we're the, you know other than that that's that's the kind of those are the last lines of defense that we have well, that's great
5: okay you know i was here in 1976 but i do not remember anything about the swine flu outbreak back then and that was a, the last big one apparently I m- remember nothing about it. I was walking around fine and well, I guess, but I don't remember. It. Well, I get it. everybody
2: kind of talks about that one that happened in 1918, which killed I don't know, like 80 percent of the world's population, or something. Oh yeah, that, that was just the
5: swine flu. That, that was uh, uh, some big influenza outbreak following World War One.
2: But that was, and that was, uh, but that was uh, back before we had uh, science and technology. That's and, when people were getting advanced.
5: mustard gassed before they brought all this stuff to Hermiston.
2: <laughs>
5: before we had Hermiston and Tooele, Utah, yes. uh, to take care of these things. Um, we were just throwing this stuff at people, and they were getting burned. And-
2: do you mind if we just uh, do you mind if we just bury all of these toxic chemicals in a ditch in your backyard? Thank you.
5: Let's send it to a no-man's land.
2: <laughs> like, and then uh, move
5: man in to bury them. <laughs>
2: let's, let's send it to some place that nobody will ever use, and a town that will never be good for anything, like uh, Pendleton. All right, great, fantastic. I just, just uh, I don't know, just cover it up with some gravel. We'll be fine. Um, and bring in a bunch of cowboys. But I guess that the, 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 the back in the Gerald Ford's administration... They were uh, they were running a bunch of commercials. Or they were. They I, had these... I have some.
5: We're gonna play them today.
2: Really? Are these classic? Is this like uh, these classic
5: swine flu spots, Tim? Mm-hmm. That's one. Uh, here's a thirty second PSA from that time. Right. I don't need another flu
1: shot. I had a flu shot last year. A swine flu epidemic may be coming.
7: Swine flu shot. Bad reverb is well, on the way.
1: Know. I've been thinking about it. It could make you very
7: sick. Swine flu, man! I'm too fast today to catch me. You'll want to be protected. I'm the healthiest 55-year-old you ever seen. Hey, I play golf every weekend. Get a shot of protection. The swine flu shot.
5: Now, is it, is we, it, we want to remind everyone, this is from 1976. It is not that's a current
2: creepy. one. What does the swine flu give you, uh, is, like, bad echo on everything you do? When you leave the pots up too long. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's is an the, industry term that, that nobody the, really knows.
2: Oh, my God, I'm suffering from flange flu. I'm sorry, that is...
5: Uh-huh. It, that was too
2: inside. It really, it really was. Well, it so that was from
5: 1976.
2: All right. So uh, that is that is not, although I would say that those are timeless lessons, Tim. Mm-hmm. That is the uh, We can learn a lot from people of that era.
5: So it must have been just older people because as a child, I think I would remember getting a shot. Well, I, I don't remember. Do you remember this? Do you remember getting that polio
2: uh, vaccine thing which where they give you the sugar cube dose with medicine? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. Sort I, must like have got, they, I
5: must have got it.
2: I think it's like how they gave you acid in the sixties. They would give you a paper cup and it was a sugar cube with like a weird liquid poured on top of it, which I'm pretty sure is yeah, that is like which was like like Timothy Leary's preferred mm-hmm. method of uh, of inoculation. Um, but I don't remember what I got uh, shots for and what I don't and what you have to get like uh, like is the swine flu thing. Is that like uh uh, uh what what the the, the the like the tetanus deal where you have to get it done like every year? You have to go. I have to go get my swine flu thing re- re- boosted. Um, or is it like you get it, the shot for it once this and is you're separate. fine? All right.
5: I, I mean, it, it's something you opt to take, like Botox.
2: Well, there's the... <laughs> Does the swine flu, uh, it, it whatever it is, vaccination, does that work exactly the same way that the regular flu vaccination does, which is to say not at all? Not at all. Oh,
5: man, the last uh, regular flu shot I got made me sick. Sure it? Well, the, the, the uh, it was like hours <laughs> later. I was deadly ill. <laughs> that's what we had. those fake nurses we, in the kitchen giving out
2: shots <laughs> we live in a more efficient time tim it used to be that if you got the flu shot you had to wait two or three weeks to become um, to become deathly ill and to uh, be laying at home in a puddle of your own sweat uh now your immune system can begin failing within minutes so that's um that really is the great advancement we've made as a as a society so we have more swine flu psas coming up later this morning
5: I, all the more reason to listen i'm sorry
2: i know that we're not taking this uh we're not taking this ever like as you can only lesson. push
5: people so much, you know, before they'll turn it off. <laughs> according to a letter I got yesterday, really, we'll continue to listen to see what we can do to you to make us matter every day. Is this someone who's was uh, irritated
2: at at us for what for our swine flu cover? We're not taking it seriously enough. I'm sorry. I is this
5: the guy who claimed that it wasn't funny?
2: Yes, you're I look funny. Wait, here's
5: I hate you, but we'll continue to listen every day.
2: Here's the thing, sir. I will grant you that the swine flu is not as funny as say, especially if you get it, uh, platypus flu. Uh, you know, I or rooster flu, but, you know, I mean, but really what is, I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things. All right. So 503 4101 coming up, uh, later on the day, we will have, uh, Chris Cornell. Here's the other thing, by the way, we fell into this pattern last night, walking around the crystal ballroom of every third word we had to say as though we were Chris Cornell, uh, of Soundgarden and then because we're all big fans of the movie singles and he sings that song birth ritual mm-hmm. birth birth ritual for the for the singles uh we kept saying things like this is like we would sort of be prepping for the uh, for the interview and i would say things like uh chris cornell do you want to tell us if you have any uh pre show rituals uh, and, which is fine the first time you do it and the third time but then by about 9 o'clock, Paddock and I couldn't get through five words without screaming something as though we were Chris Cornell on stage at the Paramount in 1994. Oh, wow. So I woke up this morning with this sort of uh, this, uh, the post-rock scream uh, voice. All right, straight ahead, CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us from New York City. Later on, the top five drug songs written by someone who's clearly never done drugs. Jim Rupp will join us as well, and more of Tim Riley at the news desk. It is The Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Good morning. It is Thursday. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Uh, still to come later on the day, a radio correspondent, James Roop, from Los Angeles. More at the news desk with Tim Riley and Lost in 408. I'm sorry?
4: This is Jim Roop.
2: I mean, coming up later on today, day, a radio correspondent, Steve Kastemel. That's what I meant, Sarah Dillon. It lost in 408 along with uh, Christopher J. Paddock and Tim Riley at the news desk. Ladies and gentlemen, from Los Angeles, CNN it. radio correspondent Jim Roop, who was a man, it, of course, who was so fascinating, compelling, and distinct from his contemporaries that I would never confuse him with uh, anyone else ever.
3: Hello, Jim Roop. Howdy.
2: Hi, how you doing, brother? I'm
3: doing very well. Good morning to <sighs> you. Are you staying swine flu free, sir?
2: Well, I'm uh, I'm doing the best I can. We were. Have you heard these uh, the, the the public service announcements from 1970? Uh, Tim was it 1976? 76. 76. Well, I guess under the Ford administration, there I was know some. Jim uh, was around that. Hey, by the way, I'm going oh, to start. I can't really take credit for this. I got a guy who emailed me uh, yesterday. He was suggesting that we we start calling it the bacon flu. Uh, because that's more interesting. I don't know that I want to sully the good name of bacon that way, but it does seem like, uh, it does seem like we can come up with some sort of a, maybe we could sell the naming rights, uh, to the flu, to, um, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, that's to larger. a company that wants some sort of exposure. Like Jimmy Dean? You said that, Tim. I didn't say that, uh. You know, like inject a little, uh, inject a little fiscal benefit into this crisis.
3: Why not?
2: Uh, But we had these great PSAs from 1976, I guess, under Ford. There was some concern that this was going to, you know, there was going to be some sort of a a health issue. And so these hilarious uh, spots, and I'm presuming they're radio commercials, where it's just, and they they all appear to be people from, like, the Bronx. And it's just a bunch of guys going, swine flu, schmein flu, what do I need a shot for? And then... (laughs) Like the scary voice voiceover woman comes on, and she said, "They didn't know that the swine flu was unbelievably dangerous." And then there's all of this great mid '70s reverb put all over the production. It's it's fantastic. I'll try to send you the link so you can listen to those. So I am uh, doing my best to remain uh, healthful, though.
3: If you do, I will make some. I'll, I'll do some stories using that stuff in it. Right, yeah, I will. Uh, I let's, think that'd be fine.
2: I'll pass that along. Hold on, Jim. Roop and uh, so forth, and I. And so we had the one, um, the, the the one death, and obviously, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's a thing that, you know, no one wants to make light of that, and nobody wants to, you know, to sort of diminish that. That being said, it is, it, it is actually someone who had come from Mexico uh, for treatment. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it was had probably gotten to some more advanced stage. Um then it likely would have had the case originated here. Because the thing about America, America's got this strange dichotomy where, like, uh, our actual health care is fantastic. Uh, the ability to pay for that health care or to actually, uh, you know, get people into the hospital uh, th- th- to take advantage of it, there's some uh, issues there. But it does seem like the actual uh, health care that we're able to offer to people, it, presuming that you can actually find a doctor who will uh, treat you, yeah, that's uh, that's less of a problem. So, hey, let me ask you. Speaking of healthcare, though, this Octomom thing.
3: <laughs> is so, that beautiful or
2: what? Bite marks in the black eye. Why Octomom? Why? <laughs> so there's like three different things happening today. Yeah, one is that I know you're talking about Octomom the musical, yeah. which somebody must have just stated. I mean, they might as just lock themselves in, a, in, a, in, you know, in a, in a, in a, room for for a week to just crank the thing out because it's opening in June, right?
3: Yeah. This guy Chris Voltaire, who uh, is the writer and director of this thing, says, you know, he's watching the news, and um, he thought, how absurd is this, you know? And then he just started, you know, Octomom the musical, and he went, oh my gosh, and he just started writing. And it just, it, and it he was just, inspired. Yeah, and plus, it, half of it, it's sort of a theater improv group. So what they're able to do is any breaking news that comes in, he's, they're, they're going to incorporate that into the show. So the show may change every night.
2: Fantastic. The
3: run. I mean, and this guy was a great interview; He was real funny to talk to. And I, actually, I'm looking forward to when they start rehearsals. I'm going to go. I'm going to do some interviews with the players involved. Well, I think
2: you know you can. I think you can go a long way in this country if you take any sort of breaking news story and you uh, put it to a song and dance routine. Yeah. I mean, really, that is the, uh, that is the way to success in these United States. How about States.
5: if you took Aqualung and change it to Octomom, that old Jethro Tull song? <laughs> See, so we,
2: uh, I know at one point we were lamenting the fact that there seemed to be a, a paucity of Octomom parody songs, which is the sort of thing that, uh, the sort of thing that radio stations tend to latch onto. But we had immediately gone to the Jethro Tull, the Hey Octomom thing, and it was, and there was, a, there was something else that was, Hey Octo and then there was, what was the other, uh, what was the other song we were thinking was like a natural to be made into an Mom song? Yeah, I don't know. Mm, so the, I all I got is the Jethro Tull thing. Um, so there's that, and then well, yeah, it came out today that I guess the cops are looking into. Ooh, one of her kids has like a like a a black eye or has bite marks or something on him.
3: Uh, I, I think they. I, I think that was. Uh, I think they were fighting among themselves. Actually,
2: this is uh, children playing their wacky biting games as they yeah, often that, do.
3: That's what I'm hearing, but I don't know for sure. You know, the thing about kids is it's so. Uh, I mean, there are 14 of them in that house. (laughs) I was going to say. Six of them all around the same age, really. Well, heck, there's two sets of them all around the same age. But, you know, she's got six kids that are under the age of eight. And then she has those eight that are under the age of whatever. And, I mean, they're still under a year old. So, I mean, that house, I mean, those kids are going to go crazy. It's not that big of a house. You know that they can't. That there's not a whole lot of room, so it, just turning a corner, you're going to smack into somebody.
2: So it's sort of like it, it's like Lord of the Flies, uh, but it's but it's 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 just taking taking place on that one desert island that's in every cartoon, where it's like a little patch of sand and a palm tree in the middle yeah. of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's got a conk. So
5: wow, I'm feeling old. This is the 17th anniversary of the LA riots. 17, really? Yeah. 1992,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, so it, it just just one thing after another. Uh, hey, I have to ask you just a one brief follow up question about the Octomon thing. Whatever happened to that whole falling out she had with Gloria Allred? Uh, is Gloria Allred sort of cicada style back underground, sort of regaining yeah, her strength? Yeah,
3: exactly. In 17 years, she'll yeah. resurface. And she's um, it, uh, I, she hasn't been she Gloria Allred hasn't been in the news in about three weeks. So give it another. So it's two time. Days yeah. Before the month is through, which is what tomorrow. Yes, yes, it is. Um, I'm guessing the first week in May we will hear from her. Fantastic. On oh. something, she'll represent somebody who was slapped by some celebrity somewhere, or uh, some restaurant worker who uh, was somebody sneezed on and now uh, may be suffering from swine flu. It'll be something like that.
2: The swine flu does seem like the sort of thing that would attract Gloria. Already had that sound, that came that came out wrong. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 but it's a no, sort of it come out wrong. it's the kind of high profile story that. You could just sort of center her at home like her sort of her her tongue darting out lizard like sensing the air around well,
3: there, her there are several lawyers uh in uh, that are probably just waiting to pass like praying mantis, just waiting for that one thing to happen right. that one right. healthcare worker to become infected, uh that one uh, worker without health care somewhere to become infected and sue the hospital or sue the the uh, employer or whatever somebody is about to pounce, well, see, and, and that's, chances are it'll be Gloria Allred.
2: And that kind of goes back to what we were just saying a few minutes ago, that, that America does have this, we have this strange sort of parallel thing going on where we have fantastic health care, it's just the ability to pay for it, uh, it seems to be, uh, that seems to be where the disconnect uh, sort of lies. But Tim had this story uh, at the top of the day show where there's, I know there's 15 people or somebody in Oregon that are being tested for swine flu. Fourteen. And my, Fourteen, and my whole question was, well, if all the symptoms are basically the same as the symptoms of the regular flu, like, how would they, I mean, in other words, how do they figure out who's got to be tested for it and who probably just has the sniffles?
3: Well, see, that's the thing. The The, the characteristics of the swine flu are exactly the same or, or so close to regular seasonal flu that it, it's almost indistinguishable. So unless someone develops pneumonia or any other respiratory issue, uh, there's no way to really... Tell how bad it's going to get most of us in l.a county there are no confirmed cases of swine flu but there are probably dozens of people suffering from it right now who are just getting through it at home like you would a regular right. flu uh, and that's exactly what we're being told to do so I can't wait to to hear these uh, public service announcements from 76 to see how different the message is.
5: Oh, can you imagine? It's a new anthrax. It was, it's, it's the new, it is the I new. I love you,
2: Tim, I swear. It really is. I mean, I, I remember. envelopes
5: s- are going to start coming into offices, Mark, swine flu. <laughs> the building's going to be evacuated. A moist, The hazmat's going to come in. A moist envelope. They're going to send the robot the in to grab thing. the envelope and tear it open. We, we had, we had a story from Sweden
2: Two days ago, where somebody, this is like apparently totally unrelated to this, is somebody had a big box of swine flu samples sitting around. I swear to God. Oh, it was on the train. It was on the train. They yeah. had a whole box of vials full of swine flu, and they left them sitting on top of a radiator or something, and then they just exploded all over some poor guy, who is fine apparently. But he walked in, he's like, The public was never in danger. What's in this box? <laughs> And then he looks down and he's just covered in swine Oh, honey, I can't come. No, I'm covered in swine flu, baby. I'm going to be late. they got to give me a good scrubbing. Can you imagine how many masks Michael Jackson is putting on right now? Oh, I mean, just in the best of circumstances, he was walking outside with that paper thing over his face all the time.
3: Right now he's got them over his ears, his mouth, his nose, every orifice of his body.
2: Jackson is putting on one of those full-on Darth Vader-like <laughs> things, just, you know.
3: I'm never coming out.
2: All right. Well, on that note, sir... Um. Have a uh, have a fantastic day, and uh, I don't know. Try to avoid being infected with with anything.
3: Thank so, you. I, well, you know, I'm gonna. I'll try.
2: I mean, really. I mean, just to uh, be infected with mirth, be infected with laughter, or booze, or booze. Or... <laughs> that's
3: not infection. That's inoculation. That's, well, you know.
2: Remember, whiskey sometimes kills. Sometimes we
3: have to be. Uh... Uh, proactive in our medication.
2: Sometimes you have to burn the infection out, sir. <laughs> all right.
3: Thank you, Jim Roop. Take care. There
2: you go. Seeing a radio correspondent, Jim Roop. I dig that guy. That's fantastic. Uh, coming up next, more news with Tim Riley at the news desk later on. Lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock. Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. And the top five drug songs written by someone who's clearly never done drugs. That's all on the way. It's the Rick Emerson show. It's Rock 101 KUFO.
8: Rick Emerson Show.
7: They attacked me like a, such a mad wolf, and they stretched forward. forward until I was going to die. Because they were like rabbit animals.
8: The Rick Emerson Show returns.
2: That's fantastic. Well done. It is the Rick Emerson, uh, sorry. <coughs> a little bit of a uh, Pop-Tart stuck in my uh, throat there. It is the Rick Everson Show. It's 503-228-4101. It is Thursday morning. Uh, still to come, there our interview with Chris Cornell, as well as uh, Lost in 408 and CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley.
8: In the news with Tim Riley.
5: Well, this is kind of interesting. A crooked river ranch man is charged with impersonating a doctor, and he's only 22 years old. Scott Edward Hanson facing 24 charges, including identity theft and reckless endangering. He treated injuries, infections, performed minor surgeries, gave out prescription drugs, including morphine. Though officials don't know where he got them, but I guess the townspeople of Crooked River Ranch were well, they were happy to have a doc coming to the town. It does seem
2: like this is uh, begging to be made into a uh, you know an insta film.
4: Oh, it's mm-hmm. already been made. It's Doc Hollywood,
2: where at the end the townspeople rally around him to save him because you know. Look, he may not have a license in doctrine, but he's got a Ph.D. in caring. And then, uh, you know, and then he's uh, sitting in jail, sort of lean on me style. Uh, and they all uh, they all come out and they, they gather around and there's a vigil and then he's released.
5: So apparently the folks at Crooked River Ranch haven't uh, seen the old doc in a while. So if you have any information, please contact the Redmond police.
2: Uh, I was just going to ask, please to explain where Crooked River Ranch even is in Redmond, Washington, no Oregon. Redmond. Redmond. Um that's the uh it's it, it's it's the reggae capital of uh, of Oregon.
5: Yeah. Uh,
6: so,
2: so he's but he, he's on the lamb Like they didn't arrest that, him? He's yeah. just gone.
5: The doc vanished from town.
2: So not only did they only, not only was their only doctor a fake one, but now they don't even have that.
5: Nope. All right. God help them if the bacon flu comes their way. All
2: right. Here's Tim Riley.
5: The Skyline Burger is the best burger in Oregon. This, according to the June-July issue of Food Network magazine, it lists 50 burger joints that you should try. Uh, They went to look for the most exciting, wacky, and fabulous burgers in every state. Critics describe some of the burgers as good old-fashioned classics. So I guess that's uh, what the Skyline Restaurant is. I've driven by this on numerous occasions. If you don't know where it is... Oh, this is kind of a commercial, isn't it? Well, I'm trying to explain the story, so I have to. If you keep going up Burnside, and you go up to the very tippity-top of the hill when you get to the West Hills... It's this old cinder block building on the left, and it looks like at one time they had car hops in the 1950s. It's set up for that. I'm trying to picture if I've ever, if it, I've ever seen it. It's an ugly building, and I'm wondering, why are there so many cars here all the time when nicer looking places? I mean, it's swanky. It's up in you know the West Hills right. where expensive places are. And this is this ramshackle old building.
2: But yes. is that part of it? its a quaint charm? Apparently, I the guess food it is. speaks for itself. I guess it is because it's always full of cars, all times of the day and night. I don't think I've been there. Okay, so let's quickly go around the room. Uh, so the best hamburger. Well, Tim, you may not be able to weigh in this to the same degree because it depends that they have to have something that was vegan. Yes, um, Sarah.
4: The best hamburger I've ever had is at Cougar Country in Pullman, Washington.
2: I used to have them like once a week. Cougar Country is that like now is that on campus?
4: Mm-hmm. Well, it's no, it's off campus. It's in uh, downtown Pullman, Washington.
2: So, no, you know, and I'm and I'm sharing Tim's thing and like I almost feel like I don't want to I don't want to give I away like those the uh, black
5: bean burger. That that's actually made by uh I can, oh, Garden Burger. Was that the, they have that at uh, at Burgerville? They used to.
4: They used to, not to anymore. Really? But,
5: but I noticed, I found it at another store last week, and then it disappeared again. So huh. wait, wait. so Burgerville doesn't have the garden burger anymore?
4: No, they have this weird, like, spicy white bean burger, it, which is a, good.
5: There may be a lady in, like, Oswego in her kitchen. No, yeah.
4: Well, I mean, they're good, but I, I'm really partial to the black bean burger.
2: They also have that, uh, you know, the other thing Burgerville has is that... Uh, I get We should backbill them for this whole segment. They have that pepper bacon, uh, thing that I'm a huge fan of. And here, here's the other thing about Burgerville. I, you know what I'm not really partial to most of the time is milkshakes. But every now and again, yeah, I go because there's that Burgerville on, uh, Powell and 28th or whatever, right by the, right by the high school. And every, I don't know, maybe uh, five, six weeks, I'll go through there and I'll get that Black Forest milkshake, I think is what it's called, mm-hmm. which is like a cherry sort of a thing. And again, would you, it's like a, it's a whole series of things that I don't typically care for, but I'll get that entire thing and just, and it's gone in about thirty seconds, just like Augustus Gloop style, which is fantastic. Um, there's also Staniches. Have you been to Stanich's in Portland? Oh, the one downtown. There's two. Well, there's two locations. Uh, there's a Staniches, which is in I think I think is is in North. I don't know wherever. I, this is, this is, this is why about I have Stanford's. To have a, no, 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 not no, no, no. So Stanford's. This is Staniches. And this is why I have to have a GPS, because I never know where anything is. Uh, but there's one that I think is in the northeast somewhere, and there's another one somewhere else. But they have this, this hamburger that's the size of a tire, and they have a fantastic ju- jukebox. Uh, there's also... the hell is that other place called? It's um, it's not Sanity's. There's... Um, there's another place that's sort of on the, it's a Helvetia, uh, the Helvetia Tavern. And the Helvetia Tavern has a thing called the Helvetia Burger, which is, it's the best kind in some ways. It's sort of like that In-N-Out burger where it's very stripped down to the basics. It's just the bun, it's a slice of cheese, it's the burger itself, and then it's a very small number of toppings, but it's fantastic and it's massive. I mean, it's, I mean, it covers the whole, uh, the okay, whole thing. We've got to stop
4: talking in. about food. It's, it's what like what 6 are your a. favorite so fries? Hungry. Um, the, <laughs>
2: No, you're thinking of Carafe, Sarah, uh, oh, which yes. is the place that you place and downtown. I and Jolie went. That, I'm saying for me, uh, th- that's probably my favorite, uh, but that's a little, that's a, that's kind that of upscale.
4: A, yeah, it's swanky hamburgers, but they're so that's, good. That's
2: not a thing you could have every day. I mean, because otherwise you would develop some sort of a, you develop some sort of a compulsion, I think. Right, here's Tim Riley at the news desk.
5: Well, Joe Biden's going to be in trouble again. Another slip contradicting the president. He went on the television today and he said he would not recommend taking any commercial flight or riding on a subway anyway, due I to the swine flu.
7: Anywhere in confined places now. It's not that it's going to Mexico; it's you're in a confined aircraft. When one person sneezes, it goes all the way through the aircraft. Yeah. That's me. That's I, nice. I would not be at this point if I if they had another way of transportation. Suggesting they ride the subway. Um, so from my perspective, what it relates to is mitigation. Uh, if you're out in the middle of a field and someone sneezes, that's one thing. If you're in a closed aircraft, a closed right. container, a closed car, or closed classroom it's a different thing
2: thanks for calming us all down jo- yeah someone Joe needs Biden. to put
4: somebody in check <laughs>
2: Seriously, he's there, always in trouble. Speaking of a, of an isolated room, is there some isolated room where Obama can put that guy for a while so he's not uh, terrifying everybody?
4: He's just embarrassing. Well, that's the thing. It's like
2: that it matter to me. I mean, I it, I'm not trying sure to be like a Johnny Macho or whatever, but it's like I'm not going to. I mean, well, you I, like you just can't change your whole routine every time somebody somewhere gets the
5: sniffles. Yeah, I my mean, sister
4: lives in Brooklyn. She has to get to Manhattan. She can't afford to pay for a taxi. Like therefore, she's going to take the subway. There's nothing she can do. Well, and and
5: also like, and Joe Biden used to ride Amtrak. He doesn't have to anymore since he moved
2: and i mean you know the entire world is one closed system Uh, the idea that because you're on a subway you're somehow in greater danger than if you're just in an office building i think is ridiculous i mean we're all just one terrarium on this planet anyway everybody's breathing the same air so uh you know and it's not like i'm some fatalistic well and it's when it's your time it's your time it's just like like the world is full of things that will kill you every single moment every single day you are near or around things. Uh, they could just uh, snuff you out like a bad after-school candle if they wanted to. So, I mean, it just, uh, you know, it yeah, seems like there's, there's not a way to do
5: We can always play continuous loop of us, and it can keep going for an eternity.
2: We told and then it would be I've like seen that, a
5: movie like that before.
2: And then it would be like that thing in the Dark Tower uh, in the Gunslinger series uh, where where there was that ZZ Top record that was like stuck on repeat 500 years in the future. But it was up at the top of a skyscraper. And so all you could hear on the ground was the booming of the ZZ Top record. And people down below thought it was a god and they worshipped it every day It would be just like us.
5: And then, you know, somebody on, on the submarine surfaces in the Willamette River, and they're going to trace our signal. They come all the way back here, and we're not here. It's just playing a continuous loop. Bum, 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 bum. And that was the end of the mission. Here's Tim Riley at the news <laughs> desk. Twitter quitters are on the rise. Yes, Twitter quit- quitters outnumber the flock. of uh, Twitter Quitters. Twitter quitters? Twitter quitters.
2: <laughs> stop. Everyone stop not now. Not to be
5: confused with habitual twitters.
2: All right. So, a- I'll, let you, I'll let you plunge on ahead here.
5: Twitter quitters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You see,
2: you have no one but yourself to blame that time because we cleared the floor for you. I'll let let you try it a fourth time.
5: So anyway... (laughs)
2: What are are we talking about, Tim?
5: Quitters on Twitter.
2: Ah, all right.
5: (laughs) They're outnumbering the flock of habitual Twitterers and tweeters and the rapidly growing online communication service. Uh, Most people are not joining the website's jumble of conversations for very long. More than 60% of Twitter's users... Don't return a month later. This is based on the newest survey. The lackluster retention rate of 40% suggests many people don't see the point of spending time on the Twitter.
2: I actually have to tell you, the last uh, Twitter up that I sent was Sunday night. uh, Because there was this whole drama Sunday night where where the plane uh, got delayed, so I missed my connection. And I was thinking I was going to have to drive all the way from... I was going to have to fly from Vegas to Seattle and drive from Seattle to here to make it for Monday's show. And the last Twitter update I sent, I think, was Sunday night that said, Hey, hooray for standby tickets. Um, you know, I, we got on a plane, you know, see you Monday morning. Uh, and it's now Thursday. And I r- actually realized, uh, last night I haven't updated my Twitter account since that I haven't sent anything. It gets, it gets stale really quick, I guess.
4: It does. I haven't updated mine in like a week.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll do it, uh, here in a little while that I did remind people about the Chris Cornell, uh, thing. But yeah, it is, it seems like there are only, Two schools uh, uh, of people who use this: people who, uh, you know, like Sarah and I were saying, you log in, you do it, you, you try it out for a while, and then you just sort of forget about it because it's just like one more. Th- and here's the other thing: unlike uh, MySpace, people or, you thought you like, all of a sudden you hate them because they won't leave you alone. <laughs> Richard Quest, uh, th- th- Richard Quest was our very, very, very favorite uh, uh, British uh, CNN uh, six foot tall um, dildo carrying newscaster. He, he, I mean, that's a guy that I find fantastic all the time, no matter what he's doing, unless it's on Twitter, in which case it became irritating after like a day and a half. I mean, because he was about every nine minutes, he was just, I'm enjoying a bowl of raisin bran. And I was like, after a while, it's like you don't, you realize that you don't care. And here's the other thing you discover that other people's lives, uh, even celebrities, are not really as interesting as you imagine. Because it really is just something, uh, you know, it, it is something like Brad Pitt deciding right. that you know, Right now, I'm looking at two different pairs of shoes, and I'm wondering if I should wear the
5: puce or the teal.
2: Oh I my just God, don't know.
5: they're just like us. That can't be. <laughs> so,
2: so you either stop doing it, or you become a compulsive updater uh, on your on your Twitter account. And the the other thing about it is, as opposed to MySpace or Facebook or just like like I have the RickEmerson.com, it's just like a personal blog that I run. Twitter seems like a thing that you have to it starts to seem like work because it because of the immediacy of it and the fact that it basically is just a text message and that it's supposed to be quick short brief up to the moment messages. you feel like you have to start keeping it updated all the time mm-hmm. and and then it just kind of thinking about it sort of wears you out
5: so then this means people are getting less than fifteen minutes of fame,
2: yes, yes well you're getting fifteen minutes of fame. Um, uh, You know, for like, uh, you know, you're getting 15 minutes, but it's all in one week.
5: And then and your fame burns itself all quicker, is that what you're telling me? Yes,
2: that's exactly what I'm saying, Tim.
5: People go from amusement to hatefulness.
2: Yes, and that's just here in this room. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Coming up ahead, uh, more news from Tim Riley. Later on, our interview with Chris Cornell, CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, and our recap of Lost, Lost in 408 on the way. Stay there, Sir the Rick Emerson Show. So I roll over to the side of the road I heard on it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO, 503 228 101 Now everybody wants us to know where the prostitutes are in their neighborhood. Greg Nibbler just came in. He uh, he claims that it's all very innocent, but I guess he was uh, working. <laughs> Sandy, what did he say? For Sandy some reason, 100... he knows the
4: exact addresses and times to which the prostitutes work.
2: You go to 140, then Sandy... I'm sorry. That, that's that's that is not at all an accurate representation of how yeah we, we. That's that's just I'm being I'm painting I him unfairly. No,
4: Nebular is like the least creepy guy.
2: Uh, but I guess he had a he had a, a job, something like a construction job or something up there, and he said at like 140th, to like 145th or whatever. He said you would just see guys coming in all day long, and they would drive really slowly. Somebody would get in, they'd vanish into an alley for about nine minutes, and then they'd come back out, which is sort of like uh, an apartment building, not too uh, far from my house where uh, people will show up all hours of day or night. Sometimes the car, they, they don't even turn it off. Sometimes they leave the car running. Guy runs into the uh, house, comes back out, small bag in his hand, bag goes in the pocket, guy goes in the car, car vanishes back down the street.
4: Oh, that was like when I, I used to bl- blow a crackhead. All hours of the night, I would, um yeah, there are all kinds of crack deals going on above yeah.
2: me, and occasionally just uh, shrieking sounds as the guy is using an ice pick to try to drain. I did see him get chased out of his apartment with a microchip nice out of his ones. head, really?
4: Oh yeah, by some like crazy cracked out lady and her boyfriend. Fantastic, it was amazing.
2: Coming up this hour, we have uh, our interview with Chris Cornell, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as well as CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Coming up later on in the program, Lost in 408, and your chance to wear a, uh, win a pair of tickets to Brett Michaels who will be the Rosalind May 6th. This, at the Ministry of Truth slash News Desk, is Tim writing... (laughs)
8: In the News with Tim Riley.
5: Well, since we're on the topic, who wants to hear from a Bunny Ranch prostitute? More than anything. All right, this one's on Oprah, and she had some startling things to say. One of
6: the gentlemen I had, uh, he wanted me to be the nagging wife. He had never been married, and he, you know, worked 30 years around his coworkers, and they complained about their nagging wife. So I was the one that nagged him all day, and then he had his mistresses at night. But that was not me. (laughs) I know, right?
1: (laughs) Brooke, I, I, let me just tell you this, Brooke.
2: I've been doing this show since 1785, it feels like. And I have never in all of my reading and all of my experience heard that a man paid to go and see an independent contractor such as yourself. To
4: pretend to have a nagging wife.
2: Yes. I watched it's like that being on an old Jack Benny show. Wow, yeah.
4: that laughter is like really grating.
2: The the and by astonishing coincidence, I actually saw this episode of Oprah yesterday because I went home um, after I'd gone to the gone to uh, the always popular Lloyd's Center Mall. Lloyd's, Lloyd, Lloyd's Lloyd Center Mall. You think of Lloyd's of London. You know, I'm Just doing that, that the thing today. I, I, I got some weird speaking problem uh, going the other day. It's not like I can't talk, but it's where <clears throat> I am. I'm putting the s on words that don't have it, and I'm removing the s from words that ought to have it. The next thing I'll be talking about, like smoking the crack and whatever, but uh, then that s- would be oaking the crack. <laughs>
0: Sorry,
4: <laughs> would <it> be smoking <laughs> the crack. crack.
2: Smoking <laughs> the crack. Is your kid doing it tonight? Uh, so I went to Lloyd Center Mall and I went home and then we had the Chris Cornell thing coming up. But so in the, uh, in the, in between time I went home and I was spending a uh, quality time with the little lady and she was watching Oprah as women do. And I heard this woman being interviewed and I went out of the living room to see what it is. As she kind of looked like, um, she didn't look like what I expected because you know, you picture some chick who's working at the bunny ranch and a lot of hookers, they all have that. Even if they don't look the same physically, they all have that kind of hard edge look. to them. Yeah, the, exactly, but you know what I mean. Where they, they, where you can tell that there's just there's a little bit of a rough edge there uh, somewhere. That uh, pretty early on, they got a good warping. This woman, Brooke Taylor, she looked a lot like um, Jenny Garth back before Jenny Garth looked all weird and plastic surgery. Uh, I mean, she had kind of a which is undoubtedly like when,
4: why, like when Jenny Garth was t- Kelly Taylor.
2: Yes. And, and Which is undoubtedly why they picked her to put on Oprah, because she was, I mean, she looked very, I mean, she was very presentable. She looked much more normal than most hookers do. What was her name? Uh, Brooke Taylor. Brooke Taylor. Name. Yeah. Not to be confused. Isn't that Hulk Hogan's, uh, isn't she, didn't, didn't Brooke Hogan, didn't, didn't she have like Brooke Hogan Taylor, Brooke Taylor Hogan, something or other?
4: Perhaps. I've always known her as Brooke Hogan.
2: Anyway, so she looks a lot like Jenny Garth and she, uh, apparently she's, she used to work with, I mean, she had some job where she was like a special ed teacher or something and then just said, well, whoring pays more. And I mean, who can disagree?
5: Especially in an economy like this one. That's right. Here's Tim Riley. The economy continues to lose jobs at a rapid rate, so why not hoard them? The new figures from the Labor Department show there were 631,000 new claims filed for unemployment benefits last week. Jesus. Well, here's something startling. A fellow prisoner turned tail and ran from the prison showers after three encounters with a naked boy, George, in prison. Uh, this fellow named Jack was stunned when he jumped, uh, bumped into the culture club icon in the wash block, where they were both serving sentences in London. He said, uh,
2: "Everything in this story sounds obscene, even if it's not." The, it, it really what do you is. mean, bumped into him in the wash block?
5: That's what it's called. <laughs> this is from he the sun. Did
2: the kids call it wash blocking now? Is uh, that I, really I what it's called? So. So? All right.
5: So anyway, this uh, fellow bumped into the naked boy George three times in the prison shower, and uh, a friend said uh, this. Fellow named Jack isn't exactly the most comfortable person when it comes to getting attention from other men. As soon as he saw a Boy George standing there naked, having a wash, he was godsmacked. Uh, sources say
2: he was that, godsmacked. I don't want to be in <laughs> the shower
5: with you.
4: somebody <laughs> found, like Jesus?
2: So, it, <laughs> see, we, we, t- we went two totally different <laughs> ways there.
4: I wish I knew a godsmack song because yours is pretty genius.
2: I don't like to see Boy George naked.
4: You sound like Scott Step. I'm sorry.
2: Um, I, I don't know whether that
5: so three times he encountered boy george in the shower wiping himself down yeah i know that is terrible there was fleeting eye contact and the other man immediately turned around and fled
2: i don't want to see boy george wiping himself in the shower hell
4: wiping's an awkward phrase. wiping is a terrible
2: there's nothing good that follows the word wiping
4: i gotta go wiping
5: poor george needs to <laughs> wipe himself
2: down you sounded like bob dole just there if you pardon me, boy George needs to wipe. Please leave. Hey, which reminds me, so we, it, you are right when you said that wiping is an unpleasant word always, like mm-hmm. moist. Moist is never a good word. I got this uh, box of uh, paper towels here in the studio that they have up there, which I don't even really know what these are for. It's like enormous. I, They look I, like regular paper towels in a fancy box. Why do we have a huge... The, but the, you know what? The, these are... This is like a Kleenex box. Imagine if you will... A Kleenex box that is twice its normal size. In other words, it's, you know, the same shape, and it has that slot in the top where you pull the tissues out one at a time. But it is single-serving paper towels, and they're not, like, Purell or, like, you know, uh, they don't have, like, a, you know, it's not the kind that are sort of wet because it's, like, they're, uh, you know, they're counter wipes or something. These are just regular paper towels that they that they, you know, come out one at a time from this box. But they're not even called paper towels. They're called utility wipers. And a utility wiper sounds like the like the adjunct position to that guy uh, that's in Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. So in any event, uh, but wiping is a word that uh, never least anything good. Oh yeah. And when you say he bumped into Boy George three times in the shower, was yes. that like in a single? In encou- I mean, in other words, like a one shower where every time he well, would. These escape. are three separate showers. What that's what's jabbing me in the back. That's Boy George.
5: <laughs> All right. So Boy George was attempting to endear himself. Well, it says standing a uh, six feet tall boy george naked is an intimidating figure for young prisoners at the jail whoever thought that we would be saying that phrase i yes, would cater to
4: today's young prisoner i wish I,
2: <laughs> I i wish i could uh i wish i could go back and tell the 1986 me that hey you know that boy george guy someday you're going to be talking about how he's an intimidating sight to younger prisoners when he bumps <laughs> into them in the shower before wiping himself Think
5: on that for the next 23 years. Mwah! And then I vanish in a puff of green smoke. Here's Tim Riley. A bill aimed at pulling volunteer greeting, putting volunteer greeters on max train platforms has passed through the Oregon house. The greeters are responsible for greeting riders. Once they hop aboard the max for some oh, stupid reason. Annoying. The best part is how they have to <laughs> no, clarify
2: what the job of a greeter is going to be. And Sarah just on something else. That's the kind of thing that becomes immediately irritating.
5: Mm-hmm. So, uh, welcome to the Max, and welcome to your smelly dog, too. <laughs> the-
4: There's nothing more annoying than someone you know is being paid to be nice to you.
2: Mm-hmm. Walmart uh, greeters. Now, here's the thing: uh, I am not above, uh, like uh, you know, a lot of people. You know, a lot of people will sort of, you know, they'll snark about uh, Walmart a little bit. I think just because they're big and you know they're massive and whatever. But I was just there the other day, and you walk in, and it's not. I mean, it's not specific to them, but they're the most. Obvious users of the greeter at the door. Uh, Safeway does that thing too, where they uh, the guide Safeway will talk to you uh, using your first or your last name. I hate that. Say okay, so. Uh, hello. Would you like to donate to today? our
4: cause today?
2: Uh, I don't care for the donation. I just don't care for uh, it, it just like forced interaction when it's you know. Here's the thing. You know what I don't mind it though. Strangely enough, is a bank teller. If a bank teller is nice to me or makes small talk, mm-hmm. that doesn't bug me, and I don't really know what the difference is there.
4: Because they have more control of your life than someone who's like, "Hey, you saved twenty cents on Cheerios today, Miss Dillon. <laughs> Thank you. Come again.
2: Thanks, thanks so much. The uh, hey, let me ask you this: Where do you guys stand on the uh, on the big you Scan question? Oh, I love it, Tim. I love it. So me, I too. I use it for everything. See, that's my thing. I will wait
4: in line. E- I don't need to a cashier. It.
2: And I was talking to Laura about this yesterday, and she said that she kind of resents the U-scan even as she does – I mean, she uses it because she doesn't want to talk to the cashiers any more than we do. But she said that she kind of resents it because then she feels like in addition to having to go in and pay whatever the undoubtedly inflated prices are at like any store on earth at this point, you know, you're going any, you know, you're, like what with inflation at all? You know, you're forking out like half your paycheck, uh, you know, to get like uh, three boxes of wheat thins. And then on top of it, she feels like she is then being made to do her own work at the end.
4: It's worth it to me. You know what? You and I have the same um, perspective on that sometimes. We're like, I will pay extra or do something extra if it means I don't have to interact with somebody. That is totally, it is totally worth it to me. To be.
2: avoid human contact, yep. I will engage in any amount of labor. And it's so, and I also do this. The great thing about that U scan is it's like it used to be with the ATM, and ATMs have all gotten really uh, funky now where. I used to have the button combinations memorized. Where it was a point of pride with me that I could pull up, walk out, go to the ATM, and like, bah, 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 five buttons done, finished, cash in hand, get in the car, leave. And now it's like the, the
5: ATMs—they've all like—they all get these weird. Well, they ask stupid questions like, "Would you like a receipt?" "No, I want no record of this transaction whatsoever. <laughs> I'm only putting a million dollars, my whole paycheck, in."
2: <laughs> Would you like to have us actually record this transaction? Would you like us to inadvertently delete it once this is done? Thank you so much. Do you guys have, uh, we don't have to discuss our specific uh, banking institutions, but the place where I store my money, does your ATM now do this strange and off-putting thing where it tries to talk to you like it's an actual human, where the, the language on the screen is really uh, colloquial?
4: Oh, I don't like that. The,
2: okay. I will just say this. Uh, the, my bank, and I do love my bank. I really do. My bank is fantastic. I have never my bank. I've, do we have
4: the same bank?
5: Yes. Yes. How is that possible? Oh, is,
4: well, we'll discuss it during the break.
5: They don't like girls.
4: <laughs> it's because um, of my breasts, the,
2: <laughs> everything is uh, um, The no, but if you use the ATM at my bank, when you uh, you put your card in, you, put, you punch in your thing, and then it says, "Would you like a receipt of this transaction?" But instead of yes or no, the options are
5: sure yeah. or yeah. no yeah. thanks.
2: Yeah. Exactly, which I find sort of. It's, it, like it strikes me as kind of unprofessional. Like in a weird way, in a strange way, I think See, their less marketing of them.
4: has worked on you. They've wooed you.
2: No, but I mean, but I, mean, I kind of think uh, I kind of think less of them for that.
4: Oh. Well, it would be less
5: personal if it says, "Please w- wait a moment while I scratch this itch." Be- <laughs> I've got this
2: pain in the diodes all up and down my left side. You have no idea, and my mother keeps calling every day the- because I don't want my bank machine to seem oh, like it's so a casual? person because people make mistakes all the time i want the machine to seem uh like this vast um all-knowing all expansive but completely uh emotionless uh thing so that i feel confident about handing it my paycheck
5: like you don't want to see a big word that says whoops Yeah, <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> that's why that seems to be a substantial paycheck you've got today mr riley well done sir yeah, you know, because they need to start
5: got
2: a, a, <laughs> a bunch of hell things going on in your head. <sighs> All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, still to come, our interview with Chris Cornell, seeing a radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum and Lost in 408. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show.
9: And it's just waiting for instructions from its creator before actually spawning.
8: The Rick Emerson Show returns.
2: Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Thursday morning. Thank you for coming by. Later on today, a pair of tickets to see Brett Michaels, May 6th, The Roseland, as well as uh, Meet and Greet, and your chance to join Brett on stage for the last song of the night, which is nothing but a good time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Chris Cornell. We will uh, have our interview with Chris Cornell before the top of this hour. Later on, Lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock. And today's top five, uh, the top five drug songs written by someone who clearly has never done uh, drugs. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joins us here in just a few. At the news desk, this is Tim...
5: Right.
8: In the news with Tim Riley.
5: Alrighty. Yay, Rip City. The Blazers keep those championship hopes alive tonight. They have to win in Houston. They stay in the game. Meanwhile, uh, Joe Biden went on TV today contradicting what the president said and putting people in into panic.
7: I wouldn't go anywhere in confined places now. It's not that it's going to Mexico. It's you're in a confined aircraft. When one person sneezes, it goes all the way through the aircraft. I, I would not be at this point if, I, if they had another way of transportation suggesting they ride the subway.
5: I'd so, stay so- at home and burn my clothing. In response, Mayor Bloomberg is riding the subway today. <laughs> is he really?
4: Yes, yeah. he is. Good
2: for him. Well, yeah, know, it's like this. I s- like that guy. Second time in a row that the White House has screwed uh, New York this week. The, the, the insanity with the plane flying over Manhattan. And now the, the, the idiot Joe Biden getting it. No, uh, I would lock myself in a small uh, steamer truck at home and peel off my skin with a fish scaler. I'm so afraid. You would think at this point, don't you imagine that they would just have a body man with him all the time? That has to so like convey all of his thoughts secondhand to the public. They wouldn't put him in front of a live mic anymore. It'd be like an arrested development where Jeffrey Tambor's character had uh, Super Dave Osborne as the proxy. So like Jeffrey Tambor had to say something and then the proxy would listen to it and then pass it along to the public for him. I think they should do that with uh, Biden because it, and they had to have known this would happen anyway, because the guy's legendary for putting his foot in his mouth regardless. Yes. Right, so I'll do one more here, and then we'll be uh, joined by Steve Kastenbaum.
5: Uh, Sumner Redstone says he has no intention of dying. He attributes uh, his longevity to a robust health of antioxidants, exercise, and a shot of vodka every day. Redstone, who is the uh, executive chairman of CBS, said the newspaper is dying. I'm not sure if the newspaper is going to be here in about 10 years or so. Oh, and Murdoch paid too much for the Wall Street Journal, too. I love that guy because he's just... Here's the thing about Sumner Redstone is, first of all, he looks
2: like James Cromwell mm. uh, from Babe. And I think James Cromwell is also the guy in clear and present danger, the president. He goes, coming and barking at me like a junkyard dog, I am the president! And so every time I see Sumner Redstone, I just expect him to be screaming at Harrison Ford about something, which is awesome. It is 503-228-4101. Let's welcome down to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, Siena Radio correspondent and man about town, Steve I'm Hello, sir.
8: Hello, how are
2: you? I am. Uh, I'm fantastic. Are you riding the subway today in defiance of our vice president's orders?
8: You know what happened today? I heard that on the way in. I thought, geez, uh, that, that's kind of silly. I mean, you know, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people on the subway at that very moment that he was saying that. Uh,
2: I hadn't really thought about that, <laughs> that if you're listening to the news and Joe Biden, get off the For the love of God, run. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't really it doesn't seem like an advice. Even look, even if you thought it was true and it clearly isn't true. He's obviously just nuts. He just seems
4: totally irresponsible.
2: You don't say that. Yeah, totally. You don't say that.
8: This is one of those examples of, you know, they said, uh, you know, his critics said that Barack Obama chose a guy who was going to put his foot in his mouth every once in a while uh, as vice president, and it looks like he did.
2: Well, it just, it the idea that somehow uh, he is just allowed unfettered access to a microphone now, and that he can just call news cameras to show up and apparently no, I mean, do you suppose that he just sort of does it without telling Barack Obama? You know, like I'm gonna have a press conference. Well, should we tell the president? No, he uh, he's he's in the bathroom. We well, just you know, uh, a
8: good manager picks people who are capable of doing their jobs, and then he just lets them do their jobs. Right. and Doesn't interfere. So maybe that's the case.
2: Well, you know, we always we were at least for myself here at CBS. We always say that really the the litmus test for somebody in my opinion and if they're going to work, you know, at the station or at the show or you know whatever at your company, my whole thing is would you be comfortable leaving them alone in a room with somebody important like oh, I don't know, a client or your general manager? And if the answer is yes, fine. But if you say to yourself, I would never leave that guy alone uh, with anybody above me in management or with anybody who had any sort of fiscal dealings with the station, then, uh, you know then that 's probably not going to work out so well, and it seems like Joe Biden kind of fails that test, but uh, why do I know
8: um, yeah, but it 's fun when he when he says something you know that we all you know step back and say what
2: oh no don 't get me read. It's vastly entertaining um, yeah. I just don 't you figure at some point it 's like after the thing with the jet flying over Manhattan where they said that uh, the President uh, Obama was furious, which you know means that some guys going to get a paddling like they have never felt before in the woodshed out back. And you you wonder if that happens between Obama and Biden, like if he ever just calls him and is like, "What what is your problem? Why are you why are you screwing me like this?" Mm-hmm. Um, let's just talk for a second about uh, Chrysler because we had, and it all starts to merge together in my head. So we had the Pontiac thing, which was just like Tuesday or something, right, where Pontiac was going to be uh, the, the the general owners was going to be getting rid of the Pontiac line, and now Chrysler, the the word today was early reports that they will be filing uh, for bankruptcy.
8: Yeah, they're going to file for bankruptcy. Here's the deal. Even though they're filing for bankruptcy, things are sort of staying the same for Chrysler because they were in bad shape either way. Now, they had worked out a a concession deal with the United Auto Workers Union, and uh, that uh, really helped them a lot. The fact that uh, the uh, union was uh, conceding on a bunch of issues, and it gave the union uh, a large stake in the company. The union was actually going to be one of the larger owners of Chrysler, and they, the, the government was able to uh, literally force the big banks to write down a lot of the debt that Chrysler had with them. In other words, you know, uh, for every dollar that Chrysler owed the big banks, uh, the government was saying, hey, you know what, we gave you billions of dollars now, you have to do what we say, so we want you to decrease uh, the amount of money and take a loss here on all that Chrysler debt. The banks did, but... The private investors, the private lenders for Chrysler, the hedge fund uh, companies and others, they said, no way, Chrysler owes us a dollar, we want the whole dollar. So that's how the deal fell through here. Uh, the government couldn't pressure those uh, private investors, those private lenders to, uh, to you know, take a hit. So Chrysler is now going to have to file for Chapter 11.
2: And so here's a dumb question. Maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't. I always wonder, what, what is Chapter 11? What does that mean? That's like when they say Catch-22 or Area 51. I don't know. What, what are Chapters 10 and 12?
8: Bottom line is it offers you some protections. It's, it's saying to your lenders, look, I, I cannot afford to pay you back here. Let's work out a deal. You know, let's, you know, Before you try to seize my company, before you try to seize my assets, you know, I'm filing for Chapter 11. Uh, you know, I'm still a viable company if I can work out some of these problems here. Bear with me while I do this. So, the- is kind of what Chapter 11 says in a, in, a, in a nutshell. You know, it protects it protects Chrysler a little bit, but it also will put uh, uh, some some restrictions on the company as well as 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 to what they can do. And this isn't like you and me filing for bankruptcy. The government will now be telling Chrysler, you know, what they can and can't do. So, this is
2: sort of Chapter 11 is kind of like. Uh, when the guy is talking to Lefty the Knuckles and says, Lefty, uh, uh, come on, we, let's be reasonable. Can't we work something out? Ow, my legs. Uh, you know, but it, where it sort of has, uh, it actually has some sort of a sheltering effect. All right.
8: Hey, pretty uh, much. And, and, and so uh, either way, though, Fiat was going to wind up being uh, in control one way or another. So the, that merger is probably still going to happen, and Fiat will probably have even greater control now.
2: And real quickly, and they they, uh, they kicked the uh, the CEO of Bank of America to the curb, I saw.
8: Goodbye, yes. I,
2: I mean, it just seems to be uh, like some roulette wheel of of, of, of employment fortune uh, at these companies now, because you know, depending on the day, you know, hey, I got a twenty nine million dollar bonus, uh, or you know, oh, I'm unemployed and shamed and probably going to prison. So mm. just uh, it is a uh, it is a strange time to be uh, to be anybody anywhere in any kind of uh, of role at any corporation in America
8: at this point. And so. uh, don't touch the poles in the subway. Flu, be careful. No, of course. You stay stay in your homes. Scrub yourself with wire, wool, and Clorox. You know what's really funny? I avoided the subway this morning, and then I got stuck in traffic because of a partial building collapse anyway. So there you go.
2: Final destination. <clears throat> All right. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum. Take care. All right, there you go. CNN Radio correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. We should create a wholly fictitious series of health advisories for people. Things they can do to stave off swine flu. And just see if somebody would do it. You know what I mean? Uh, like... No, no, no. It is vitally important. And this is the thing that we really want to stress right now as a government. And these are the things people need to know. You need to carry a waffle iron with you everywhere you go. And we cannot stress this strongly enough. Carry a waffle iron. It's The Rick Emerson Show
8: on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns.
5: Whose eyeballs am I going to peck out?
8: On Rock 101 KUFO.
2: Creepy. What? Weird. Hello, it's the... They're
5: actually people getting paid to sit around and pick these things out.
2: Not the eyeballs. Not the
5: eyeballs. <laughs> the birds do it for free. The
2: Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. 4101, and ladies and gentlemen, coming up in just moments, our interview with Chris Cornell. Uh, in the next hour, we will have more news from Tim Riley. Uh, we'll have uh, Lost in 408 with Chris Paddock and Sarah Dillon. And today's top five the top five drug songs written by someone who's clearly never done drugs. Uh, at this moment, we are going to take a uh, caller 10 right now at 503 228 4101. 503 228 4101, and you will win a power grower system from General Hydroponics and courtesy of Everybody's Garden Center. And there's a standalone gardening system with a single growing chamber designed to rapidly grow several small plants before transplanting. Comes uh, complete with a three gallon reservoir growing chamber, air pump, uh, growing medium, and starter nutrients. Uh, That is from General Hydroponics and Everybody's Garden Center. That is caller number 10 right now at 503. 228-4101, 503-228-4101. 228-4101, 228 Tim Riley's tracking these headlines on your Thursday
5: morning. Six probable swine flu cases are reported in Washington State. Not in Oregon yet. Fourteen people are being tested for it here in the Beaver State. A 31-year-old Milwaukee man is charged with pipping a 16-year-old girl on the Internet. And a Spokane mom and daughter are caught in a monkey smuggling ring. <laughs> monkey smuggling is a fantastic phrase. I'm going to form and a... From Spokane. I'm going to form
2: a sort of novelty punk band, like a Ween style, and we're going to be called the Monkey Smugglers. Just so you know. All right. Uh, it is 503 228 4101. Without further ado, we want to uh, play our interview with uh, Chris Cornell. Uh, Sarah and I went to the Crystal Ballroom last night. Mm-hmm. Chris Cornell was performing there and uh, was uh, very gracious, especially because we were originally in Lola's room, kind of in the main area, and the opening band was playing.
4: God, it was so loud in there.
2: It was like somebody was firing cannonballs uh, about 15 feet away. So, Chris Cornell. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And uh, he was uh, kind enough to sort of move everything into his personal dressing room. So uh, the next sound you hear, ladies and gentlemen, uh, will be uh, Chris Cornell right here on The Rick Emerson Show. There was a time not long ago when um, a rock musician doing a record with a hip-hop producer, as uh-huh. he did with Timberland on Scream, would have probably been a hard to imagine for a lot of people. People might not have accepted that. And obviously we're in a much different time now. What do you uh-huh. think created that change and brought us to where we are musically now?
6: I don't know. I mean, I think there's been a lot of um, moments that that show that that genre mixing kind of stuff is possible. Um, You know, really you can go all the way back to Run Run DMC and Aerosmith, which actually brought Run DMC's career and Aerosmith's career to like the forefront commercially because they did that together. Uh, it it brought Aerosmith back to like a whole new audience of people and it sort of elevated Run DMC up to superstar status because they could hold their own and have a hit with like a classic rock song, really. So, um, but it tended to kind of happen in moments. Um, And and I think, you know, there have been certain bands... Over the years, that that have added hip hop influences to um, rock influences, but like what what Scream is is a little bit. It's different than that in terms of it's a whole bunch of influences coming from everywhere, and it doesn't really. Um, there's no there's no formula as to who brings what into to what song as the album progresses. You know, where any of those influences come from was always sort of a surprise. Um, I think it was kind of just a a free-form, we're going to write songs, make this album, and and not really concern ourselves with anything, method, um, instrumentation, genres, anything at all. For you as an artist, this record, which is you're doing something that's much more electronic, much more
2: rhythmic in a very overt sense, do you feel like that was a natural evolution from where you were, or was it a conscious clearing of the decks?
6: Well, it wasn't, yeah, I don't think of it uh, as a... Natural evolution. It's more like um, it's more like com- cleansing myself of everything that I, I am comfortable with or used to or anything that might be habitual in terms of songwriting, uh, arranging, lyric writing, recording mixing everything do you feel that when you make music when you're writing creating that putting yourself
2: either consciously or unconsciously in a somewhat different or uncomfortable space contributes to
6: better art it might i mean the, you know i remember the first time Soundgarden um went into a recording studio and it was the uh it was the the first version where I wasn't the drummer so it was Hiro Yamamoto was a founding member and Scott Sunquist, who was the first drummer that that replaced me before Matt Cameron and we would saved up our money for months to go into this studio you know it was a real professional recording studio and um... well I was terrified I mean just simply because I had no idea how to even make a record um... so uh, I think that there is a certain amount of uh, of comfort level where you can you can kind of almost hear it i mean it, uh, the word that some people use is like complacency and i guess that would be a, a, an apt word um I, I think a certain amount of tension is good i've i've been told by people rick rubin one of uh, one of the main ones who who's heard demos of mine for years and years that he liked demo vocals of mine usually better than what ended up on the album. And I always equated that to the fact that I didn't really know what I was doing yet. I would write the songs, um, write the lyrics, I'd have the melody, and then be sort of nervous about singing it for the first time because it, that, that sort of becomes the crux of this is either going to be a great song, it's going to work, or it's going to be awful. And there's no way to really tell until I actually open my mouth and start singing. And there's some tension in there. And, and I'm, not, I'm not really sure how to sing it yet. And Um, screamed that the whole album was that way. I would finished like you know once I knew there were no more lyric changes on a particular song I was writing I would go right in and sing the, the album vocal takes to it.
2: I have to ask you about a story I heard that seems just impossibly poignant and, and sweet it is that you discovered in an abandoned basement somewhere uh, just a huge cache of Beatles uh-huh. records and that you just listened to them constantly for two years that they just were there you had no idea you stumbled upon them and they spoke to you.
6: Yeah I think from uh, if, I, if I can sit now I, I, pretty accurately, uh, uh, I can look back on my entire career from this point back and see that that probably had the biggest influence on me as a songwriter, a recording artist, um, song arranger, singer. Because I found the albums in... Uh, a flooded basement, so the jackets were ruined. So I I had to take all this, the records out of the sleeves, and I put this, the records between paper towels. So I didn't even really have the jackets to look at. I didn't know who was singing what song. So if I listened to a Beatles album all the way through, there are obviously a lot of different approaches to vocals on it. That's something that I think really sunk into me because from uh, from my entire career, if I look at the first recording I ever made all the way up to now and everything in between. I've really approached so many different songs, so many different ways. Even, even in the context of one album, um, that was part of it. The uh, bringing any influence you want into your band. The fact that they could do um, "Helter Skelter" and "Yesterday" and be the same band uh, didn't really seem to be awkward to anyone then, you know. And then nowadays. like even like, like for example the first audio slave record when we were we wrote uh, I think light my way was the first song and we wrote Cochise when we got into things like getaway car and especially like a stone I remember there being a little bit of discomfort like is that okay is it all right to be like an aggressive riff rock band in your face with this with an aggressive singer but then have a you know have a song like like a stone you know, and that was like a specific hurdle that they kind of had to get over.
2: It's uh, the Rick Emerson Show, and that is part one of our Chris Cornell interview. We'll have the second half of that coming up in the next hour, and he actually addresses something that Sarah had wanted to talk about, which is the movie Singles. Yay! And whether the movie Singles is an accurate time capsule of that slice of time and that slice of culture here in the Northwest and the music. So the second half of our Chris Cornell interview is next hour, as well as Lost in 408 and the Top 5, plus more news with Tim Riley. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's a Rick Emerson show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Thursday morning. It is 5.03. Two two eight four one zero one. Still to come today, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Brett Michaels May 6th at the Roseland. You and a guest will win the meet and greet as well and a chance to join Brett on stage for the last song of the night, Nothing But a Good Time. So that is coming up later on. Uh, Lost in 408 with Sarah X. Dillon and Chris Paddock. Our interview with Chris Cornell as well as C N M radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on this Thursday.
5: Well, Mexico is being punished for this swine flu thing. Now they're not going to allow the new Star Trek movie to premiere in Mexico City. The president defends his position not to close down the Mexican border. It's not realistic to close it down on a normal day. The president warns us all to cover our mouths and wash our hands. The uh, police bureau here in Portland will merge, this is scary, five precincts into three, which makes us all feel a little less safe. Yay, Rip City! The Blazers keep the championship hopes alive tonight in Houston. Wait, let's go back to this,
2: uh, the police department thing for a second. So what is is a precinct like a parish? I mean if this yes. were if this were a
5: church or a sector. All right. So this depending on what city you live in. So what are they when you say merging? That seems they, like it a, was divided up into five pieces of pie. So the pie which used to be divided into five pieces now divided into three pieces. Right. But I, so
2: but are they reducing the overall number of cops, or are they going to be centralized in fewer locations?
4: They are
5: expanding the area of the current patrols. All right. Which means there's a little less time for everyone. Well,
2: well, that's fantastic.
5: You're that's- on your own. But there
4: will still be the same <laughs> amount of cops, but...
5: Well, in- I- I guess so. They don't say that they're reducing the number of cops. But, I mean, what is it, What is the point
2: of it? If they're keeping the number of cops the same, is, it, are they, is this like a, a deal where they just get rid of the, the – the, they minimize the number of physical locations so they don't have to pay for a building or something? Yes, for the All most
5: right. part. All right. uh, let's see. Sizer's plan, that's Rosie Sizer, calls for five small precincts to merge into three large ones. On the northeast and central sides of the city, police patrols are not expected to be affected. So this so is a, closing down some office or police station or whatever. So really, it's just that so everyone's uh, going to be brought downtown, like in the old movies, just, just, <laughs> by Clancy. Yes, and then
2: the, and then Mooney's going to take in the back, and Mooney will get the story from you. Uh, all right, because there's law and order in Mooney's town, and so it'll just be every man for himself at this point,
5: basically. That's As uh, it is on the east side already. Right. And I was over there yesterday. Yes, you were, <laughs> Tim. You everyone were. Was, everyone was shocked to see me cross the river. So we actually at the, at the top of the show today we. Uh,
2: it was, Kind of Had a bunch of other things to talk about, so we didn't really get a chance to mention this. So last night, I don't know what it is with this last week, man. It seems like every single night there's just a blur of activity happening for everybody. So I got off the air yesterday... Do you have one of those days where you look up and it's nine o'clock at night and you can't quite figure out exactly what happened to pass the preceding like ten hours or something? Or Seems we, like
5: every night, or when you have too much to do, you lose your car every time. Yes, <laughs> like three or four
2: times in Dude, a row. Dude, last night I lost my car three so times it, in the space of ninety minutes, and it's only
5: happened since I started working here.
2: <laughs> well, it's because you before you were doing the uh, you know the morning shift, we were doing middays, uh-huh. which is the, you know that we did middays on our sister station nine seventy AM before we uh, came to KUFO. And uh, you were taking the max in, which it's hard to lose the max. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you really have to go out of your way to not remember where that is. Mm-hmm. But driving in, you know, obviously at 3 in the morning you have to take your car, which means that every single day there's another moving part in your life that could be misplaced. So it's, it's actually not so astounding that we both had this incident, but it's, it's funny that it, it never occurred to us that this would be sort of a byproduct of and, having and to be around here
5: more often. You're standing outside. And you can't remember anything. You throw your hands in the air and go, "What do I do now?" Uh-huh.
2: So we uh had this interview with Chris Cornell last night at the Crystal, and of course, the Crystal Ballroom. Uh, parking in that part of Portland is just—it's just a nightmare. To I know. I totally with.
4: lucked out. I finally got a spot when someone was just pulling out.
2: And don't you? F- when that happens, doesn't that it, like whatever else has gone wrong in your day? I mean, you could have been uh, diagnosed with a you know a trichnosis of the face. But you know you find a parking space right in front of the place you got to go and you're like you know what that's okay my existence is is happy and satisfied as of now. Uh, but, but that did not happen to be because the crystal ballroom you know with people just flock there and so if, spreading out for like 9 miles in every direction every single parking space is taken mm-hmm. and I didn't have the station vehicle because the station vehicle has that great uh, park permit- it anywhere and don't touch it. Exactly it, it is like a it's like a the the man be gone. There's a big thing that was right on the dashboard of the the radio station vehicle that lets you park anywhere at any time for up to, I think, five hours without any sort of permission or ticketing.
5: Well, it's like you're in a TV show because the characters always find a parking space in front of the best places. It's It's
2: empty. And it's always a lawyer who finds the space right in front of the courthouse, and then he can run right up the steps Mm -hmm. and present the damning testimony. So I didn't have that. So I had my regular car. So I ended up just biting the bullet, and I go into one of the parking garages. But a parking garage, look, and this is really just me in a nutshell, that I don't even need to be out driving in an actual city to get lost. I can get lost inside a relatively closed, confined space. I got out of my car, started walking to the elevator, and finding the elevator in this particular parking garage was just, I mean, that was an exercise in frustration all in and of itself. Because there was no landmarking at all. I mean, there's a color. I was on the blue level, I think. But I mean, within the it, it's not like you're it's not like you're you're in Anaheim where you're like no 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 I'm parked in Simba Five. I mean, there's just nothing. Uh huh. All I knew was that I was parked in blue. What would the, the hell does blue mean? I mean, I have a small gray car. There's nine thousand small gray cars. So I'm walking to the elevator. I get halfway to the elevator. Sarah texts me and she's like, hey, we're waiting for you. You know, Chris Cornell. He's you know he's going to be here. We're going to do the interview. Where are you at? And I said, oh, I'm on my way. And then I look down and I realize I don't have the recording device with me. The, the kind of tape recorder thing. So I'm like, ah. Oh, Christ, I'm turning around and walk back to my car. I can't find my car, so I'm wandering I around thought for five minutes. you took minutes. a long time to
4: meet us. This is because
2: I got lost. And of course, you know, And I, you know, I'm 36 years of age, and so there comes a point where I can't. W- it's it's awfully not all timers already. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, 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 because you either, yeah, you have one of two choices either there's holes in my brain, or I'm just not that bright. And. I'm sort of zen with either of those, but it's the sort of thing that every now and again, even though I've been dealing with this my whole life, that I have no sense of direction. I have no sense of spatial relation. I lose my way constantly, Um, but it still kind of is embarrassing sometimes, and so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'll just wander until I find it, so I finally track down my car, open the trunk, get the recording device. Then I can't find the freaking elevator again. Then I finally locate the elevator, I get to the crystal, and then once the interview was all said and done, I mean, it was like, I don't know, 9.30, I'm feeling kind of beat, got to get home, and of course at that point, can't find the car again. And in a, like any normal person, then you would just turn, you'd set the car alarm thing off, you'd press the button on your keychain, except I managed to lose the car alarm part of my keychain about a month and a half ago, no idea where it is. Could be, uh, Could be at home, could be downtown, could oh, be in a safe. bird's nest for all I know. So I have no choice. And, of course, I'm lugging. I got three bags, my laptop, and this huge recording uh, case that has all this equipment. And I'm just wandering uh, through um, the market garage, which you would think as the night goes on, it gets easier to locate your automobile because there are fewer cars there. But then you find yourself – and then you then you start to ask, like, okay, well, there's a finite number of space. Clearly, I must have covered every single square inch of this lot how is it that I haven't seen this? It's like when you've that lost... happened to me at the Lloyd Center last. The,
5: I get ago. lost
4: at the Lloyd Center every time. It's like, what
5: a terrible place to be lost! Oh. <laughs> no, fine shopping. Are God. you talking
2: about inside or in the parking
5: lot? The garage. Oh no, no, the, the See, the because, Lloyd Center because garage because is the same way. There are like two or three different blue B sections, right? Not just one, and they're all the same color. How could that be? And, mm. Of all the color choices in the world. <laughs> Why can't they make different colors? And you know, that's a good point. there. there are several letters in the alphabet. Why do they all have to be B? There's never a Z section. They're always B. You, you know where I go? Why don't they do this? There to... are like three or
2: four levels of B. And inst- instead of doing colors and letters, why don't they do something that is just, to... this is Ernest Borgnine. I am part in Ernest Borgnine. You'd remember that. That'd be great. As opposed to, I'm part in, as you just said, I'm part in Red 5. What F does that mean? And so my wife calls me as I'm just sort of cavalcating from one place to another inside the uh, no cavalcating caravanning yeah. from one place to another inside the garage and my wife has a flawless sense of direction. I mean we really do balance each other out in that way. And she said, "So uh are you coming home? It's uh, kind of late. I don't want you to be tired tomorrow." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I just I can't I can't find the car." And she said, "Well, where where are you?" And I said, "I'm in some parking garage." And she said, "Well, what level?" I said, "I'm on the I'm on the orange level." She said, "Well, Okay. So you're on the orange level. So it should be, I mean, it should be easy to find it. What, what? And I said, I'm on orange too. And she said, okay. Um, so do you remember, was it near the elevator? Was it near the stairs? Like, I don't remember, baby. My brain is full of rock and roll questions. I, I don't have time to be filing away, to be filing away color and letter observations. So. And then you just, the thing is, I know it makes me sound like a retard. No,
5: you're exasperated. It's like I've tried everything. (laughs) What what possible thing is left to pull out of my brain? There's nothing left there. Now what?
2: It's like when you can't find your eyeglasses. And you're like, you know what? My house only has so many square feet. I mean, it's not like a crow flew in and took them away. They've got to be here somewhere. As George Carlin once said, being lost is kind of like losing your car keys in that it, like there's only a specific number of locations where that thing could be it, it could be found, right? I mean, it, it especially it's like when you lose your keys and you're you're checking your pocket seven hundred times, like they've mysteriously reappeared there because you always go back to where the thing ought to be. Uh-huh. That's the thing with it, losing your car in a parking garage, where you are convinced, and you can actually tell yourself in your head, you can make yourself believe, all right. I have checked every single square inch. So clearly <laughs> it's not that I have no sense of direction. It is that the car is gone. It's, it's
5: magically moved. I forgot to lock the doors and it's long gone. I
2: have fallen into a wormhole and have landed in an alternate universe. Uh, I am in uh, the bizarro downtown Portland where my car is not. In this universe, I drive a long El Dorado. Jesus. I don't even know, What were we talking about? Oh, so yesterday... Yesterday afternoon, was just a bit of a blur because we had uh, there was a little KUFO get together last night that was at uh, the Green Dragon in beautiful Southeast Portland, and Tim Riley was there, which is astonishing because it, it, Tim usually goes home to his hermetically sealed Tannisborn bubble. Uh, but you came to Southeast Portland last what, night. It,
5: you know, it isn't that that I try to avoid things. No events are ever scheduled on the West Side ever. Right. Mm-hmm. By so you, anyone,
2: so you are obliged to. Uh, you are obliged to come to the East Side for the event.
5: I went to one. Court and Fatboy had a midnight movie over that on the West true. Side once. Oh yeah, once.
2: That's right. That is
5: true. And then we we are having a movie this weekend that's close. So how did you find your way? Oh, you have a GPS too. That's the only reason why I found it. That's <laughs> and, I, and, and I had it. I, it never left my eyesight. Yeah, because I'm in trouble if I lose that. Did you say? Did you say that your uh, GPS pronounces a uh, tiger as tiggered? Tiggered, and it, it tells me to follow i fight to the Dallies. <laughs> Fantastic,
4: not Scott Dally, but <laughs> not Scott Daly's not no, multiple Scots. No, uh,
5: well, so
2: in any event, and it, and my final observation about becoming lost, and I'm, it really does harden me to know that it very, that it happens to you as well, well later too, because th- I, we
5: can talk about lost in another category.
4: Exactly, it's all <laughs> and, uh,
5: lost. Uh,
2: because at 36, I'm kind of zen with the fact that it's just not going to be fixed. Like, it, it, and also that it's not just me being mentally lazy. I mean, I have tried to figure out how to navigate my way around. Oh, I don't know, a garage, my house, a city, a freeway. I mean, God help me if I take the wrong off-ramp somewhere. I mean, do you ever look back and you think about the, the time when you didn't have a GPS? Because I didn't, I mean, I don't think I, the first time I got that uh, GPS uh, was, I think it was like five, six years ago I got it for Christmas. I don't know how it is that I got anywhere before that thing. Because, uh, I mean, if if I take one wrong turn in a city, especially a city that I'm not really that familiar with, I mean, I am hosed I am screwed. I remember the one time I got lost in Oakland. I, I don't even know how it is that I that it managed to escape Oakland without being set on fire by somebody. I mean, it was just, I remember taking the wrong, as Bugs Bunny would say, sort of the, I should have taken the left turn at Albuquerque, but I took i took a right directly into downtown Oakland. And I just remember it ending up at some point in front of what claimed to be a tavern. But there wasn't really a door, so much as there was like a swinging piece of plywood uh, that looked as though it was there to cover up uh, where something had been ripped off the hinges and then burned. And thinking to myself, "Oh wait a minute, this uh, this isn't Silmar. Why am I? How did I get here?"
4: I chose poorly. Yeah,
2: exactly. And and then you just start to see the news stories, uh, you know, playing in your head. Emerson, 33, was killed when uh, you know and. And and I look back and I don't remember how I uh, found my way back into the freeway. I think I may have actually called nine one one and said uh, I am lost in Oakland. Will you please uh, will you please guide me back onto uh, four hundred five somehow?
5: That's like the parking lot of LAX. I make sure I write down descriptive directions as to the exact place where I park my car, and I did that once when I spent a week in Europe, and I found the car right away. But I forgot one thing: I I left all the windows unrolled.
9: <laughs> oh no! Uh... And, and luckily.
5: This car was an old beat up Toyota w- with a broom handle holding up one window so nobody stole it. <laughs> How does a broom handle hold up a window? You stick it inside the door after you take off the opening? <sighs> I don't understand. What do you mean uh, uh, when you say the broom handle the, the was crank, holding up the, the window? The Oh, oh,
2: oh, see, so you would oh. you would wedge the broom handle under the handle. Correct. Because otherwise it would just it would go ba 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 and the window would just fall <laughs> down again. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. All right, it is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Straight ahead, we have uh, Chris Cornell coming up. We have Lost in 408. We have more with Tim Riley, Steve Kastenbaum, and going to be giving away a pair of Brett Michaels tickets as well. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO.
1: Rick Emerson. Maybe he is
8: hot. I don't know. Maybe it's all this vampire sex that's getting to my head. I don't know. The Rick
3: Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO.
2: It is the Rick Emerson Show. at Rock 101 and KUFO. Thank you for coming along and joining us today. It is 503-73. Nah, that's one. I got to get like some sort of a jar, you know, like a square jar or something. That's
4: good, a penalty jar.
2: Whenever I say the wrong phone number, 503-228-4101, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming up later on today, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Brett Michaels at the Roseland. Uh, you will also win a meet-and-greet with Brett and a chance to join him on stage for the last song of the night, which is nothing but a good time. Uh, Lost in 408, Lost Recap with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock. Later on, our interview with Chris Cornell. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on this Thursday morning.
5: Chrysler appears to be inching closer and closer to bankruptcy. And we've just received word that Seattle-based Alaska Airlines is taking special precautions against the swine flu. They're pulling the blankets and pillows. They're yucky anyway. Let me understand this. So they're not really concerned
2: about the fact that you're all breathing the same air, or in fact that you are on a series of uh, seats that are made out of uh, like fabricy, cushiony material, which are in effect uh, just big sittable blankets and chair uh, And, and uh,
4: you just know, take and, away uh, what little pillows. comfort that you have on an airplane.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so not al- so really. This is in your in your you know your last few moments on Earth before you succumb to the swine flu. You will not even alive. Be- not even be able to be uh, relaxed in a an enjoyable fashion
5: uh, until the story comes out as being spread by the Sky Mall catalog. <laughs> then they'll pick up all those, <laughs> put them in a big.
2: Dude, I bet the Sky Mall people right now are working on some sort of like a portable microbe uh, killer that you can carry with you because mm-hmm. they have those. It's like a little. It's a. Uh, it's like an infrared thing you hold in your hand. Mm-hmm. Remember they were doing that with the anthrax stuff where you would take an envelope and you had this. It looked like a little um, flashlight with a fluorescent bulb in it, and you kind of go, and you wave it over the envelope, and the the theory was that it just killed everything inside. telling you right now, uh, them and the Lysol guys are all coming out with some sort of swine flu marketing right now.
5: And a Seattle man of it still once attempting to start an Oregon jihad camp, but lost interest. A PCC instructor is mistakenly arrested for prostitution because she's walking down the wrong street.
2: Ah, that's fantastic. All right. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. (laughs)
8: In the news with Tim Riley.
5: Every two modules. do wash your hands. And uh, put your hand over your mouth, this is President Obama. I've asked every American to take the same steps you would take to prevent any other flu. Keep your hands washed. Cover your mouth when you
3: cough. Stay home from work if you're sick. And keep your children home from school if they're sick. <laughs> we'll continue to provide regular updates to the American people as we receive more information. And everyone should rest assured that this government is prepared to do whatever it
5: takes to control the impact of this virus. Uh
2: uh-huh. oh, <laughs> that—that you know, famous last words. Here's a phrase that always leads to bad things. Rest assured, this government is prepared to do whatever it takes to stem the to you know, the fly. Uh, the hey, was you people See S- standing on the roof in their underwear holding a help
5: sign.
2: <laughs> I was just imagining that. Yeah, well, this this going to be uh, me of an outbreak. I was going to say that's a whole lot of uh, people whose last names begin with L through Z are to report to Camp Topaz. Oh, good God Almighty. All so right.
4: let's
5: play uh, PSAs from the last one, which was 1976, the last swine flu outbreak, which I don't remember. And I was on this earth. I don't remember anything about it. I wouldn't remember getting a shot if I had one. But uh, they put out these uh, public service announcements. This is the 62nd version. Once again, this is not current. It's from 1976, the last time this happened. So this aired uh, apparently on radio. Joe brought it home from the office. He gave it to Betty and one of his kids.
0: It's syphilis. And to Betty's mother. They sound
1: like swingers. But Betty's mother went back to California the next day. On her way to the airport, she gave it to a cab driver, a ticket agent. Betty's a slut. And one of the charming stewardesses.
0: At
5: school, Joe's kid gave it to some other kids. And Mrs. Merrill got it
1: and gave it to her husband. In California, Betty's mother gave it to her best friend Dottie. But Dottie had a heart condition and she died. But before she died, Dottie gave it to her girlfriend, the mailman,
3: the paper boy, and the vet when she went to pick up her chihuahua.
1: If a swine flu epidemic comes, this is how it could spread. Is that
5: William Shatner?
1: you want to be protected, no. especially if you're elderly or chronically I don't believe Ill. so.
0: Get a shot of protection. The swine flu shot.
5: And now back to Three's Company. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't it sound like it was sort that of... That sounded so dirty and scary. Everything about the 70s was dirty and but, scary, But though. then they it sound like
2: chlamydia, it, 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 the enemy and of all mankind. And she gave
5: it to the...
4: Mailman. It sounds like it was sort
2: of <laughs> written uh, to lead into an announcement about any number of diseases, genital warts.
4: That's exactly. It sounds like some STD. Totally, and,
2: but at the end they're like, "And it's uh, swine flu." Uh, so that is from 1976, but uh, mm-hmm. it seems like that is a timeless message. Tim. It is. All right. So what do you? What are they saying to get a shot?
5: Is that what it says well, at end? A, yeah, it said get a shot, but I don't remember anybody who got one. And I nobody was nobody in my household got one.
2: And I would because you're sturdy uh, New England people, Tim. You're uh, you're of hardier your stock than the rest of America. The uh, just like the boys at Valley Forge. So I would have been—I don't know—three, uh, four years old. So having been a kid, that would be in a high-risk group, I would think, you know, because it was—it's typically uh, young kids and old people. Mm-hmm. So
4: well, maybe you just don't remember it.
2: But I mean, but I—I I don't even remember you being. I'm sure told we all got shots
4: it. for weird things when we were kids, and our parents just didn't tell us.
2: Nibbler said so. Apparently, a guy called early this morning. He didn't have time to go on the air, but Nibbler said a guy called in today and said that back in '76, when this first uh, it was airing, that spot we just played. Mm-hmm. That the guy's dad was like, I better get me a swine flu shot and went to the hospital. Swine flu shot, dead next week. Like de- Dead of, yes, swine flu. Oh, so my gosh. I'm not, of course, saying that that would happen today, uh, even though it does seem that everybody at CBS Radio who gets the flu shot comes down with the flu almost immediately. Yeah, that's me. why
5: we stopped getting them here. You know, because
2: then he's just bleeding from the eyes later in the afternoon, and nobody wants to do that. Uh, It just seems to me that that's a thing that I would have heard about growing up, that they would have said, like, and be sure you go get your swine flu shot updated. I am immediately suspicious Mm of all.
5: So because I'm a newsman, I am here to just relate these stories and read them as they are written. So you
2: are uh, not creating this. You are simply passing it along. You are the messenger, not the message.
5: I am not manufacturing.
2: I am providing. You will simply read this headline as it is written. From a major news source. A major news source has provided this headline as you are about to hear it. Tim Riley is merely reciting this word for word without altering,
5: amending, or editing this headline. Mm Mm-hmm. So here it is. Girl beats off muggers with a marching band baton. Sarah Dillon. Don't mess with a marching band, girl, especially one armed with a baton. A 17-year-old high school... What kind of a
2: baton are we talking about? Is this an extendable baton?
5: I guess so. It is a long baton. Uh, A 17-year-old high school marching band student beat two assailants who tried to mug her as she walked home from school... In the high desert community of Quartz Hill, 40 miles north of Los Angeles, the girl punched one man in the nose, kicked the other in the groin, and beat both with her large baton.
2: Okay, well, that's kind of satisfying. So this is a story that's great. So there's the headline, and then there's the actual uh, body of the story. Good for her. Both of them deeply amusing. So they tried to mug her, and then she just beat their asses senseless. Right.
5: She beat them off with a band baton. Uh Deputies searched near Quartz Hi- Hill High School for the muggers Looking for a man holding his bloody nose And the other limping from being kicked in the groin Wonderful No arrests have been made so far
2: This is like every time there's a story about some guy who breaks into a house And there's an old woman waiting there with a shotgun Who just shoots him directly in the face mm-hmm. So that's yep. good The final score,
5: marching band 2, thugs 0 What was that headline once again, Tim Riley? Girl beats off muggers with a marching band baton
2: It's a girl who has a bright future ahead of her Here's Tim Riley at the news desk
5: a 36 year old a Portland Community College writing instructor has won a measly $5,000 settlement with the city after police mistook her for a prostitute while she was walking down a street noted for its prostitution. What street? What street? It doesn't say. Oh, come I on. I want to know prostitute out 82nd. 82nd. It's got to be. 82nd. It's got to be 82nd. Wait, because
4: oh, yeah, there's a PCC they, out there, isn't there? Wait a
2: minute. They don't identify the street? No, they do not. They're trying to be politically correct. You know what? I'm uh, deeply unsatisfied. I am, too. I know
4: well-known prostitute streets in Bremerton, but not in Portland.
2: What is the uh, well-known prostitute street in Bremerton? Oh, Center? it's right
4: downtown near the Bremerton Ferry. You know not to go down there. All right.
2: right. Uh, what is her name, Tim Riley?
4: Uh, the, the instructor's name is
5: Anne-Marie Shelby. A-N-N-E?
2: Yes. Uh, A-N-N-E. I'm, no, I'm,
5: I'm sorry. A-N-N. without All the right. Anne-Marie Marie I'm, Selby. S-E-L-B-Y.
2: All right. I'm looking for this right now okay here we go this is from the Oregonian uh let's see <clears throat> walking in a high crime area simply walking along this is the Oregonian reports that Amory Selby was simply walking along a main street in Portland where prostitution is a major problem when she was arrested this is like that story we had the other day where they I forget I forget what detail it was they left out but it was something. It was you read the article and there was some crucial piece of information that became conspicuous by its omission in the article mm-hmm. and that's exactly what this is. Why would you do this entire piece and then not bother to say what street it is if only so like you know we can all avoid being tagged as hookers by w- walking well, and along there
4: that and there's absolutely no um, discussion as to why she was picked up like she's just walking down the street I don't understand
5: hey that's a that's a good point as well Sarah. All right do we have more from the story Tim? No, we don't know any more about it. It's weird. A thirty-six-year-old policeman say, "Hey, pretty girl, come here. Let's talk a minute." Thirty-six
2: Portland Community College writing instructor, five thousand dollars settlement with the city. That's and not very much. Mistook her for a prostitute while walking in a high crime area. When she was arrested, not questioned, not detained, she was actually arrested. Prosecutors quickly dismissed the charge, and Selby sued the city. Her attorney says... Portland. All right, it says
4: 82nd and- Avenue. I found another story. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Anne-Marie Selby didn't want to like wait around surprise. Yeah, for the next bus to arrive, so she started to walk down the street. Her big mistake, the street she said to walk along, was 82nd Avenue.
2: Which is a mistake for any number of reasons. And does it say why she was arrested? Because you gotta... I mean, despite the this sort of public image of the police in many ways, uh, you know, this sort of there's this image that uh, the this cops is- are always waiting to kind of, like, baton you and stick you in the back of a car.
4: Okay, <laughs> so the cops picked her up, but she was wearing what her attorney described as a hooded sweatshirt, loose knee-length skirt, and Crocs. Crocs. Oh, is that what prostitutes are wearing these days? They're wearing Crocs.
5: Well, the, the one's on 82nd, apparently. They're prostitutes love Crocs.
2: Crocs! Anywho... But, the, but my point is, because cops don't like to do paperwork anymore than anybody else does, most of the time, uh, you really have to push a cop to get yourself arrested. I mean, the, 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 I mean, because you know, cops are just, yeah. I mean, they don't want to spend their days just typing out, uh, you know, in triplicate some form for some guy that was spitting on the sidewalk. So you really have to provide the police, I would think, in my estimation, with a reasonable uh, uh, amount of suspicion or some sort of grounds for arresting you. So, uh Because uh, Anne Marie Selby seems uh, somewhat litigious, I won't make any further observations except to say that it is curious. <laughs> She's taunting
4: with those sexy crocs.
2: <laughs> I, uh, it, it seems strange that just by walking along 82nd, the man would come and just round you up and stick you in a paddy wagon. It seems like they're. Uh, I'm just saying my, uh, my position is. Uh,
4: you know what? And you know what makes me mad is that prostitutes are lazy these days. You don't see any of them doing that, like, pretty woman. They're less
5: industrious than they
4: used to be. Seriously, like, I want to see some, like, full-on hookers walking around. I want to see, you know, fishnet tights and some high heels. All you see, like, people are being mistaken wearing loose-fitting skirts and Crocs. Like, it's a sad state of affairs.
2: I guess that's a good point. If you're in Crocs and a hoodie and they go, you're dressed just like a call girl. I mean, that really doesn't speak well for... Hey, did anybody watch... I can't believe I'm saying this. Did anybody watch Oprah uh, yesterday? I didn't know.
4: I watched a little bit of it at the gym.
2: Did you watch the hooker? Yeah, uh, where she was uh, from, the from the Bunny Ranch. Bunny Ranch yeah. yeah. So uh, that Brooke Taylor girl. Uh, there was a whole thing about prostitutes uh, yesterday on Oprah, and I think there's actually there's some sound that we will uh, we'll get to that uh, later. But there's uh, some sound from that. But you you raised a really good point that the last time I the last time I was on 82nd and I saw somebody that I thought was probably a hooker. Mm. And I, I don't really know. But I was driving along and I, I looked and I went wait a minute. Was she wearing like a
4: Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt? She
2: had, no, but she had the classic hooker outfit on. She had a red sparkly spandex miniskirt, heels. They weren't fishnets, but they were sort of garish uh, stockings. And then I forget, and I think it was, was wintertime, so she had like a, like a coat on or something. But and then huge hair. I mean, just massive awesome. like David Coverdale uh, hair going on. The last That's time the I way so- they
4: like them. The last time I was a real prostitute was in Hawaii. It was really fun. Um, I went to Hawaii in '98, I think, and we would sit on the, you know, on the corner of the street and just watch people. And we'd be like, prostitute or tourist. Yeah. And you'd sit there, and um, and you couldn't tell, but like, yeah, the prostitutes had the sequins, and they would all like shimmy up to people. It was amazing.
2: I I wouldn't be for walking down 82nd for long stretches no. of time anyway. That's no. A, no. That's a bad idea. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk.
5: So anyway, uh, Joe Biden went on TV today and uh, told people not to ride public transportation. Now they're backpedaling saying uh, he's not saying that anything the president hasn't told people before. Well, actually, he did. So uh, there are a few. Let's see here. I have something else. This is uh, from L.A.'s health department.
3: So it becomes everybody's opportunity to reduce their risk of getting any kind of influenza. That means washing your hands. And if you want to know how long to wash your hands for, you want to sing the uh, ABC
5: song. Is this really what our oh, government God. has been reduced
4: yeah. to? Is the, that really the vice president?
5: There's no. That, the, that, who, is that, this? who was that? That was a health official from. Oh, Atlanta.
4: okay. <laughs> is that a
5: guy from the Centers for Disease Control in L.A.? L.A.'s so, Department of Public Health. So there's a
4: guy from the
5: from the uh, seeing the ABC a
2: governmental stuff. department of public health, What's telling you to wash stuff? your hands while you. A B C D E. Oh, a, B, C. oh, I thought it was like H-I-G-T. some kind of
4: washing your hands no. kind of no. Like no, the special Jackson
2: Fives uh, the Jackson 5's ABC. Why would you sing the ABC's? Or perhaps... Uh, well, you're supposed to
5: sing it while you're washing your hands.
2: Or perhaps Be Near Me by 80s synth-pop uh, group ABC. You can always lip sync. Uh, you know, sing a, you, Wash your hands while singing How to Be a Millionaire.
5: Do it uh, Britney style.
2: So... We've got a guy from the Governmental Health Agency telling you to wash your hands while singing the ABC song. And the President of the United States, the most powerful human being on Earth, who leads uh, the greatest, uh, most awe-inspiring nation in the history of humanity, is holding a press conference to tell you to cover your mouth when you sneeze and to wash up after now, you every use the American job. American
5: to take the same steps you would take to prevent any other flu. Keep your hands washed.
7: Cover your mouth when you cough.
2: I'm going to speak for everybody right now. If you have to be told to wash your hands now and again and to cover your mouth when you're going to start spraying droplets everywhere, you don't deserve to live. All right. It is The Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. We uh, return straight ahead. More news from Tim Riley later on CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum lost in 408 and the top five. It's all coming up. Stay there. Show on Rock KUFO. I never realized I've heard this uh, that song for however long 20 years almost I never realized it's just now how much Chris Robinson has no idea what he's singing there in the chorus because the line is most come along or dime by the dozen the next time he listen he just does the the dozen I mean there's just there's no enunciation of any kind that's actually happening
4: so what were there actual words or did he say he was singing
2: no he's just no he's I mean there are actual words he just he clearly does either doesn't know them or is not able to get them out of the allotted amount of time It is 503-228-4101. Coming up in this hour, Lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock. And today's Top 5. Top 5 drug songs written by someone who's clearly never done drugs. And also a pair of Brett Michael tickets. This,
5: however, is Tim Riley
2: at the News Desk. (laughs)
6: In the News with
5: Tim Riley. Six probable swine flu cases reported in Washington State, not in Oregon yet. Fourteen people are being tested for it here in the Beaver State. Once they find one, they'll put you in a vial and study you for a while. Meantime, Alaska Airlines has taken those smelly blankets and pillows off flights.
2: Well, I was too comfortable anyway, Tim.
5: It's like, oh, uh, I would never use one of those pillows. Somebody sitting on it doing you-know-what and then putting one of those things up against your face. I, I couldn't do it. Wait a minute.
2: Those I, pillows. I, but I... They're gross. I... Okay, but let's. I don't know what when you say someone's sitting on those pillows and doing you know what?
5: Flatulating on them and then putting them back and here, pretty little girl, rest your face on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
2: phrase I just don't hear often enough. Um, I hadn't really thought about the flatulating. I uh, that had really never occurred to me. Do people do that? I would imagine so. Yes. On a pillow? Sure. Does that make it more enjoyable somehow? For them, I suppose it does. I I've ass- heard somebody do that before sitting right next to me. See, now, maybe I'm wrong, and I'm not speaking about an airline in particular here. Didn't you, have you always just assumed that they just burned those things when they were done? Because the pillows you get, and I'm just like, on any, on any airline, the pillow just seems like it's made out of Kleenex. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any actual pillow in that pillow. It, no. it, it just seems like shredded tissue paper. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine that they like using it over and over again. Anyway, I figured that they would use it and then it would just be Th- destroyed.
5: Stay there forever. Is that true? I think so. Yes.
2: All right. The blankets I can see. Those you-
5: blankets—they take them out of some horse stall somewhere, and throw them up there. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever asks. Uh, That's there. Let's play a public service announcement from the, uh, the last swine flu epidemic, which was in 1976. So this isn't from today. This is from 1976. So do not be alarmed.
0: I don't need another flu shot. I had a flu shot last year. A swine flu
1: epidemic may be coming. Swine flu shot? Well, I don't know. I've been thinking about it. It could make you very sick.
7: Swine flu? Man, I'm too fast today to catch me. You'll want to be protected. I'm the healthiest 55-year-old you ever seen. Hey, he I drink golf every weekend.
0: Get a shot of
7: protection. The swine flu shot.
0: So the best
2: part is that's 1976. Mm-hmm. So like they're busy telling me about this swine flu. Uh, meanwhile, uh, as you pointed out, Tim, it was a uh, a swinging time in the '70s. So swine flu. I don't have time for that. I've got to do cocaine and go to Plato's Retreat and have anonymous sex with strangers. So. Uh, there's that. And then also the fact that that woman at the beginning says swine flu shot. Well, I've been thinking about it. Well, that's a lie. No one was thinking. <laughs> clearly, if you were thinking about it, they wouldn't have had to run this commercial. No one was thinking it. just like two weeks ago. Nobody was thinking about the swine flu shot. Also, does the kid about halfway through, say swine flu. I'm too tired for that to catch me. It sounds for all the world like that's what he's saying.
5: We're play it again.
2: And then the guy was, I'm the healthiest 55-year-old you've ever... <laughs> <laughs> what are they suggesting you do in he this? He sounds
4: like he's from the Sopranos. <laughs> he does. Uh, some Jersey uh, guy. He's chewing it? on a cigar. The
2: vig is 9%. It starts now. The, w- what are they suggesting you do in this spot? What is the call to action here, Tim?
5: I, I believe it's... Think about seriously getting a flying... flying Swine flu shot. A, f- <laughs> so a, flying, a flying zoo flu? <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: shot. Uh, so are you are supposed to go to the hospital and say, hey, uh, swine me? Uh, I, yeah. I, uh, it's like when you said that there are 14 cases being tested in Oregon right now. So here's my question. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that if you go to the hospital and say, I don't know, I got flu-like symptoms, that they now have to test you for swine flu? I
5: would imagine, yes. Wow. Well, Because, mm-hmm.
2: you know, look, I mean, if, if like... 3% of the population, and we know it's more, mm-hmm. has a raging case of hypochondria. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we all know people who constantly think that every single... No, I've got more gallons. I mean, everybody everybody knows somebody. Uh, probably several somebodies. And they're always convinced that they're coming down with some dread illness. And really, it's like, because you haven't washed in a while until your skin's scratchy. Uh, th- th- every one of those people goes to the hospital and they go, I think I uh, have the swine flu. If the hospital is then obliged to give them all the battery of tests, you want to talk about it, putting stress on an already overtaxed system in every way. And God almighty. I, uh, today I am glad I am not a healthcare professional. Here's professional. Well,
5: just remember the most important thing. I've asked every American to take the same steps you would take to prevent any other flu. Keep
3: your hands washed.
2: This is like uh, getting medical advice from the all-I-need-to-know-I-learned-in-kindergarten
5: uh, guy. How long should one wash their so hands? It
3: becomes everybody's opportunity to reduce their risk. Of getting any kind of influenza, that means washing your hands. And if you want to know how long to wash your hands for, you want to sing the
5: ABC song. The Jackson Five version, please.
4: Wow! So not even counting, just sing the ABCs.
2: Well, it is for today's American. Uh, so it's for the picture menu uh, America.
4: God, I would give anything to have him demonstrating how yeah. Americans should sing the ABCs. We
2: should uh, somebody. Oh man! A, a demo video. Sing it. To be at the to be at the press conference. I'm sorry. Could you please demonstrate a? I'm unclear. Uh, uh, we will resume the news in one moment. Uh, we are now going to take... Now, listen before you call on this, because you don't want to shame yourself in front of your uh, friends and family and colleagues and co-workers and so forth. We are going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Brett Michaels May 6th at the Roseland. Now, if you win this, you also get a meet and greet with Brett and the chance to join him on stage for the last song of the night. Nothing but a good time. Now, if you are caller 10 and, 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 you can identify the poison video from which this soundbite is drawn. Dad,
3: there's something I want to talk to you about. Sure, honey? What is it?
0: Well, well I've
3: decided to move. Move? Move? Where? Oh. To California.
1: And I want to leave on Friday.
2: And then they show a picture of the big transvestite-looking mom. Uh, so, <laughs> once again, if you can be caller 10 and correctly identify the poison video that gave us this sound.
0: Well, I've decided to move.
2: Move? Where? To California. Uh, then you will win yourself a pair of tickets to see Brett Michaels May 6th at the Roseland, as well as meet and greet and the chance to join him on stage for the last song of
5: the night. So we will do a caller 10 here in just a, just a skosh. Here is Tim Riley at the news desk. All righty. Uh-oh, this is bad news. A mother and daughter monkey, monkey smuggling ring. Dateline, Spokane. Time for a monkey watch. Here's your monkey watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. <laughs> Oh, those crazy Spokaneans. Mother and daughter, monkey smuggling ring has been brought to an end. Both sentences sixty days in jail for smuggling Reese's monkeys into the United States. There's no wrong way to smuggle a Reese's, Tim. Uh Gypsy Lawson. <laughs> gypsy Spokane, Lawson. And her mom, Fran. <laughs> <laughs> Fran. This is my
2: daughter Gypsy. Crazy Gypsy. <laughs> what do we have to do to get backstage passes to this fog hat show? <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time that Black Oak, Arkansas, came to town?
5: Well, they've been both placed on three years probation for monkey smuggling. These handed down in federal court in Spokane. Airline itineraries show that these two flew from Spokane to Bangkok, <laughs> rousing suspicion.
2: I hear that, uh, I hear that Fran and Gypsy, um... <laughs> they're big f- They're big fans of Bangkok
5: mm-hmm. well anyway, this happened in uh, November two thousand and seven. Bangkok enthusiasts then flew from Bangkok to Spokane a few weeks later. Federal officials uh, raided the loss in Spokane home and seized their monkey. <laughs> Apparently, either gypsy or Fran smuggled a sedated monkey into the u s under their blouse, pretending that they were <laughs> pregnant. It didn't you, work like a charm. Are you kidding? Wait, what? So the TSA, let me just have to this. this so the, is probably, oh
0: no,
2: so okay. Security people are all obsessed <laughs> with me getting my wedding ring off so that they can make sure I'm not smuggling plutonium inside of it. A woman has put a monkey in her shirt and pretended that she was pregnant.
4: It was like in a prosthetic belly, like a belly cage. It, it, they smuggled the
5: sedated monkey. Get under my shirt! But this, this new equipment would detect a monkey in your blouse, wouldn't it? I don't oh, know. No. Isn't there a Fred Schneider song <laughs> called Monkey There's in you My Blouse? Those just concerned
4: with the drugs. friend? did I ever tell you about the
5: Black Oak, Arkansas and their tour bus? All right. Pull this woman out of line. It looks like she has this dated monkey in her blouse. Fantastic. There's
2: your monkey watch for <laughs> Thursday on the Rick Emerson Show. Wow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time we will endeavor to give away a pair of tickets to see Brett Michaels at the Roseland. If you can identify the poison video that gave us this sound.
3: Well, I've decided to
2: move. Move?
3: Where? To California.
2: There you go. If you can tell us what video that's from, you'll win this uh, pair of passes. Let's go to, uh, hello, caller 10. Who might this be?
8: This is Johnny, Rick. How you doing, brother? I am
2: fantastic, sir. How are you on this fine Thursday morning?
8: Um, I'm caller 10. How do you think I am? I'm most <laughs> splendificus. Well, that...
2: Okay.
4: Splendificus?
2: I That's like that. A, <laughs> uh, that all depends on whether you can correctly answer this question. What video, sir, gave us that soundbite?
8: You know, I, I've got to draw back deep into my alcohol and um, Alzheimer's-ridden brain, but I'm going to go with... Um, talk dirty
2: to me. Oh, sadly, you are mistaken. I hate to be ranting, because you were, like, out of the gate, you were so enthusiastic, and now i got to be Johnny Buzzkill. Well, I'm sorry, but that is, uh, that is incorrect, my friend.
8: Well, I have this going for me. I was caller one, on the first day that y'all hit KUFO. Hey! Hi. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Later, brother.
2: Hi, uh, there you go. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, can you, uh, whoever this might be, uh, your name is Danny. Danny, can you uh, identify the poison video that gave us that sound bite, sir?
8: Yeah, I will have to say, um, your mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll. Let me just
2: ask you a question. Are you really? Are people just calling me, coming up with the first song, poison song title that they can conjure up in their brain? Is this <laughs> a flat out guess? I want you to be honest. Are you guessing?
8: No, I'm not guessing. Uh, Poison actually, open up and say, ah, oh, was the first uh, record I ever bought. All right. Well, you got the no, album no, don't right. Don't sco-
2: scold him. no, I'm not, I'm not scolding. I'm asking. The, the, the reason I'm asking is because Poison always had very interesting opens to the videos, like nothing but a good time. Sadly, you are also uh, incorrect, though. So uh, uh, my uh, my sadness goes to you and yours, sir. That is uh, uh, that is incorrect.
9: All right. Thank you. We I guess yesterday's. I don't one know more today's, time. Though.
2: Wait, we'll take one more. This is, I believe, Gail. Gail, Hello. Yeah. Hey, Gail, how are you doing today? Uh, sir, can you identify the poison video which gave us that sound bite?
8: Um, skinny bop.
2: It's almost like there was some algorithm designed this morning to make sure that everyone got around the answer, but not in the answer. Uh, no, that is also not correct. All right, thank you, Gail. I appreciate your attempt. That is, uh, that is not the correct answer. This sound bite, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Move. Move? Where? That is from the Poison video Fallen Angel off the Open Up and Say Ah album. So uh, everybody kind of nibbled around the corners there, but nobody got it. That is from Fallen Angel. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show coming up next. Lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock. We'll do today's top five, top five drug songs written by someone who's clearly never done drugs. And more with Tim Riley. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 at KUFO.
5: Traveling. Two accidents. One Highway 217 northbound at Walker. The right lane is closed. Another one, the sunset on ramp eastbound at 185th. One right lane on the ramp is closed due to a crash. Tim Radley on Rock 101K UFO. Mm. The best thing
2: about that video is, I'll, I'll show you this uh, during the break, sir. You watch the video for Fallen Angel, which is a fantastic song.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's the family sitting around the kitchen table. Girl explains she's moving to LA to become a starlet. And then they cut to the mom, and the mom looks for all the world uh, like they've just taken the bass player, Bobby Dahl, and just they put him in a wig. Uh, he's just the freakiest-looking mom. All right. Uh, well, let us talk about Secret Artvark Abanero Hot Sauce. And I'm actually going to I'm going to go to my—this uh, is from Facebook. So there's an entry on my Facebook page today. This is from a uh, listener, Sean. Sean says, hey, um, hey, Tim, is it pronounced Orenko? Orenko? Orenko. Orenko. It says, uh, I went to the New Seasons in Orenco to pick up some secret aardvark habanero hot sauce. Oh,
5: that's right next to me.
2: He says, they carry it. Listen to what he says. He says, they carry secret aardvark, but Rick, it was sold out. And then he asks, is Tim Riley buying up the Hillsboro supply of Secret Artvark? I
5: didn't know it was at that store, and now I have to go because I shop there all the time. He says they carry Secret artvark,
2: but they were sold out. Every bottle had been purchased. So I can tell you, you try this, and it really is going to be the most frequently used spice or condiment in your house. You're going to put it on everything, and you're going to use it more than all the other spices you've got put together.
4: No BS. I hear people talk about it daily.
2: It is. It, and the thing is, once you have it, you realize how lackluster most hot sauces really are. Secret artvark, the recipe is from portland the is in portland and it is fantastic you can find out where to buy it and you can find out where to try it restaurant wise at secretardvark.com secretardvark habanero hot sauce one sauce to rule them all there's just not enough oing in uh, rock at this point uh not enough guys going guitar it is a Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. It's 503 228 ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming up here in mere moments, we have Lost in 408 with Sarah Dillon and Chris Paddock Yay. and today's Top 5, the Top 5 drug songs written by someone who's clearly never done drugs. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on your Thursday morning.
5: Well, I have uh, it's Obama's first 100 days, and he's telling everyone to wash their hands and cover their mouths. Other people are saying, wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. To time it out, sing the ABCs. And as we told you before, there are six probable swine flu cases in Washington State. Oregon is keeping their eye on a possible uh, handful of those also, but nothing yet. All
2: right, we have uh, more on that coming up before the top of the hour. And then at 90s, smells like, uh, I'm sorry, at 9, smells like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. This, however, is Sarah Dillon joined by Chris Paddock.
9: Hey, I was just thinking about this swine flu thing real quick, and I saw something on Lots of Laughs, the comedy service. It looks fantastic, and hopefully we'll get to play it later. It's I'm Too Sexy for My... um, breathing mask I, it's a I parody of right said awesome. it sounds awesome so it's just uh, i'm too sexy <laughs> for this mask
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> i don't know i think you probably should hear it though yeah,
2: they probably bedazzled yeah, it or something you know we haven't done it a long time mean, who is it what is it uh, little peanut oh, or papa, whatever his name is
4: oh yeah pa- the papa g pa- papa Wait, what's his g name?
2: who's the, the guy that does the uh, this is little
4: is, puppets mexican word of the day yes. oh. today uh, it is olive
2: Olive, as no. in, right. all right. And never mind. Yeah, oh. something to look forward to. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we give you Sarah Exillon and Christopher J. Paddock with last night's Lost recap. It is Lost in 408.
9: All right. Um, we okay. have been waiting for this episode. Episode 100 of Lost, and it opens up with a bombshell. And
4: it delivered.
9: Yeah, absolutely. So much happened that we're going to get kind of cut to the quick here. All right. So Daniel Faraday coming off the submarine finds Jack immediately mm-hmm. and tells him. Dude, my you mom was wrong. Here. He's like, did she tell you it was destiny? And he said, yeah. He's like, well, she was wrong.
4: And how creepy is the mom? Like after like realizing like, and I love that it's a Daniel Faraday uh, centered episode, and I love that we finally see a little bit of like what made him the like crazy like wacky guy that he is.
9: Faraday, now. genius mathematician and uh, physicist, obviously destined for greatness since uh, childbirth, because we see this strained relationship between him and his mother. Uh huh. And she's been grooming him to study math know about numbers how many beats in a metronome i know even when he, was,
4: when he was a child he wanted to learn how to play the piano she's like that's not your job my job is to make sure that you hone your mind and, and you can't you don't have time for right and, and, and
9: it's like uh okay and then and i was thinking there's some sort of weird christ uh parallel there with with him because he's some sort of savior to the to island possibly uh-huh. i don't know religious connotations but get this he uh he meets a girl at oxford And she's like, yeah, that's great. Uh, That's great, Daniel. I I love you. You're my son and everything. But we we really don't care about
4: her. Uh Get this. Uh, Charles Widmore is going to be funding your research. And then he ends up losing that research grant because it turns out when, um, I think it's Desmond who goes to find him, but he had been laid off because he had killed his research assistant in who some of his time travel. that he was in love with. Who was his, yeah, his research assistant, AKA his like little girlfriend.
9: All right. So then uh, we get through all that. And then Daniel tries to break this down to the guys that are stuck on Others Island or uh, uh, Lost Island in 1977. He tries
4: to explain it to Dr. Chang, who's just like
9: having none he of He won't have any of it. And then he tries explaining it to Hurley and, and he's like, well, you met my mom in
4: 1954. He, and he's like, hey, wait, you guys were in 1954? You mean Fonzie times? Yeah, and then he tries to rope in Miles the second Dr. Chang. is like, hey, tell him that you're his actual and, son. And like and Miles, Miles doesn't
9: want to have anything to do with Miles it. Miles wants Ju- nothing to do with Juliette it. Juliet and Sawyer are really happy having their little playing house moment that they're doing right now mm-hmm. in 77. And there's this weird moment of tension with uh, with Juliet and um, and
4: Kate. Uh-huh.
9: Because if you noticed... Sawyer never referred to Kate as Freckles until last night. I
4: saw that. I saw the cutesy little nickname. I'm like, uh oh. So it and begins. And Julian
9: immediately gave the code. They're like, hey, you know what? You need to go find Bob uh, Yeah, Daniel you go out into the woods and mom. get yourself
4: killed while yeah. I stay here with Sawyer. I'm going to stay
9: here and, and, and hump it out. So anyway, okay. So here's Widmore. the other, Widmore. Widmore. Okay, Charles Widmore.
4: Faraday's father. Faraday's
9: dad, everybody. I know.
4: That is so ridiculous. Okay, and so what do you think about at the end when, like, he's uh, at the campsite for the others looking for Eloise, and and, then, you know, Richard's telling him, like, oh, Eloise isn't here, and then all of a sudden he gets shot by his mother? Do you think that his mother sent him to the island, therefore, so she could kill him? Yes, because remember the.
9: Okay, okay, so Eloise shoots her son, Daniel, and if you recall, the journal.
7: That she gave him. and he started
9: writing all the things about his time travel. It looked like the Black Rock Journal. Okay. The inscription was, Daniel, no matter what, remember, I will always love you, mother. Mother, yeah. So, hence, Lost Island, full uh, full of parental
4: issues. Yes.
9: Out the yin-yang. Predictions for the end of the series.
4: Okay, I believe that it was—it was like kind of alluded to at one point last night when he was talking about how if the crash had never happened, I believe that they're going to be able to, like, fix the the energy force field and all the space time continuum, make it so the plane crash never happened. They get off the plane, they land safely in L.A. None of them ever knew each other.
9: That is how my—that's my, that's my that's prediction! Your, okay.
4: Yes. They, I think they, that would they, be no, so Nothing cool. ever happens, and in the, basically it's as if the series <sighs> never happened. But then again, what if? De- but Desmond's already on the island, so how are they going to stop Desmond from being there? Because he's already—he was on that boat race around the world thing, and. Yeah. He, he wins the across. boat race! Do so you think what he happens. wins the boat race? Desmond is a winner! And then he impresses Charles Whitmore, and then he can be with Penny, and, and everyone happily lives ever happily, happily ever after. Exactly, yeah, okay. and
9: they have a kid named Charlie.
4: Except for it's not really happy because all their lives were crap to begin with when they got on the planes. So There's going to have but their see, crap that's lives. the thing.
9: There is no magic solution. You have to live through your troubles, Sarah Dillon. That is you you right, dude. That is the moral of this story. And, and No magical mind, island
4: too. can solve it. That's
9: right, no, no island. No person is an island. Such infectious enthusiasm. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe we came up with the same conclusion. That's so awesome. Let's do to each other's screaming. hair. Good God. I never
4: want it to end. Ever. I
9: don't either. Ever. Uh, I sat alone and there was gunfire in this episode last night and I was going crazy <gasps> and my dogs were freaking out. They are like, wait,
4: this isn't 24, Daddy? Why, why are we watching this? It was aggressive it gunfire, was. It too. It was. crazy stuff. Hey, tough. okay, just really quick. So the dude with the glasses who ends up killing himself, who's the one that's like aggressively attacking like Sawyer and Kate and all of them. Yeah. How does he kill himself, and why do I remember that he does? Do you remember? Oh, scene, like, of-
9: he went crazy, and I think that's why he went crazy. He's like, all these people showed up on the island, and I went bananas. Okay,
4: but does he kill himself in, like, one of the stations or something?
9: Yeah, he, he was in the uh, swan. Okay. I
2: Maybe. think at a certain point, I looked over, and, and Tim and I shared a little moment there during the uh, Lost in 408 here. It was just sort of a a realization that we are so far on the outside of this particular snow globe, looking in, that there is just <laughs> yeah. no way and, and, and you're trying to track every single flake simultaneously as they swirl around in a sea of confusion is just a
9: no.
4: But Paddock oh, and I are so having a lost impossible. party next so week. So
9: much happened last night. Like
4: I'm not allowed to have chocolate before dinner. It's So creepy. You're the scary man who warned me not to come back
9: to that. That's the right. Island. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this sounds like some sort of weird uh, thing that your friend would have at her little space. You know, the dominatrix. This <laughs>
2: is a good transition. <laughs> and it sounds like a go ask Alice thing, like, you know, sort of like a button button who's got the button uh, <laughs> sort of a conversation. All right. And then the small green man appeared, and we all flew to Mars Whew. on a biscuit. Ladies and gentlemen, your top five for five, Thursday. Four, three, two, one, Fire. Mm. Good Lord God Almighty.
1: Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy.
7: I love to count,
2: don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley presenting today's
5: top five. And in the annals of musical culture, mind-altering substances have their place. <laughs> What's so funny? Frequently, as a source oh, of nothing,
2: thinking of a limerick I heard yesterday.
5: Uh, they're also the subject in numerous compositions, even when the author has no idea what he's talking about. Imagine that. These are the top five drug songs written by someone who has clearly never done drugs.
2: And so, uh, Chris Paddock uh, compiled this list after our discussion of Kenny Rogers on the First Edition uh, earlier on this week. These are the top five drug songs performed by somebody who clearly has never done drugs. Tim Riley.
5: Audible mention goes to the theme to Lidsville. In
1: the middle of
5: the summer.
1: In Tells the the a story. Of a park, there Mark
9: goes
5: to the fair.
1: The Magic
9: Man, everybody. Who's performing this song? Uh, Do we know? I don't know. Uh, The Mike Curb congregation, not sure.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, the
9: Sid and Marty Krofft stuff is also weird looking. This was a Sid and Marty Krofft show that uh, came after the Bugaloo's and Puffin stuff. And this is when it was very obvious. They're way into drugs. Well, I mean, Lidsville. Lidsville. <laughs> and for you kids out there, that's one ounce of marijuana. Slang. Lid.
4: And you've never and said an ounce of marijuana.
9: <laughs> I was going to say Mary Jane, actually. Some Here's where it gets really trippy, because he falls into this hat.
2: Sorry. You've never sat more stoned. I'm
9: sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Falls into a head!
4: It's like you and I at Lola's room.
9: (laughs) So this is where it's like, obviously, like, look, we're trying to convey a drug trip here, but it's so obvious that drug trips are far more nightmarish. Let's face it. LSD, right here. Look out! Isn't that scary? Imagine me being a five-year-old
2: seeing this. And it is, it is sort of like they sat and listened to one of those Anita Bryant uh, scare films about don't do drugs and then decided to use that knowledge to create this. <laughs> okay, These, so anyway. Top so five uh, drug songs performed go. by somebody who's clearly never done drugs.
5: Number five, I Enjoy Being a Boy by the Banana Splits. Here's more of the croft influence on you boy. people. Yeah. Okay, listen to the
2: hook. Tell me how much of a, uh, uh, of a uh, uh, Strawberry Fields Forever rip off this, this is. A, yeah, and a Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds Yeah, thing. it's
9: supposed to be like a love song, but listen to like oh, the descriptions. Yeah,
2: yeah. Check this out.
1: I live in a cucumber castle On the bank of a cranberry
4: sea Seriously? Yeah. Somebody and sat around the dance under my drawbridge
9: And blackbirds make nest in my tree I enjoy
0: being a
9: boy I'm proud to say this came out of my own vinyl collection. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, the Banana Splits, uh, four gentlemen standing in animal costumes miming to music.
2: But this is somebody that I knew we're, they weren't real. A guy,
9: <laughs> thank you.
2: A guy at the record company. I didn't. heard like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Like, uh, can we have a version of that for children, but sung by a huge bear in an ill-fitting suit with a guitar?
9: And the drug trip needs to sound magically delicious, like you know, <laughs> cucumbers and cranberries.
2: It's uh, like drugs that we can put in the box of a uh, of frosted sugar flakes.
9: Blackbirds living in my hair. Vanilla fudge cream, delicious. Uh, top five
5: drug songs performed by somebody who clearly has never done drugs. Tim Riley. This is unusual. I never heard this one. Number four, Mel Torme, "Sunshine Superman."
9: Oh wait, is this? This is This is no, that's not Mel Torme. No, this was on wait, uh, the, the YouTube. The, there's there's a very on. strange <laughs> beginning here.
2: All right. Well, we should skip ahead into yeah, this. I'm sorry. That's there. my fault. Yeah. sir. Here's I also meant known to. Uh, as the
9: fog. Here
1: you go. Here we go. Came softly through my sir. There we
9: Mel has clearly no understanding What Donovan was trying to do And by the way Amazingly
2: enough I had to go to YouTube Because I couldn't find this In any of the major Online music retailers
5: <laughs> he was Really? On an older it's on
9: iTunes Really? Yeah, it's on an Ultra Lounge collection Of course Of course it is Yeah <laughs> And Mel, this is like when Me- uh, Mel was trying to be like part of the whole love-in generation. He was wearing a large um, medallion, much like Barry Whitewood, where and you would be bathed in the cool, soothing uh, colors of love. You have a Nehru jacket be. to go with that. Absolutely. Right and he sings about Superman and uh, the Green Lantern, and you know he has no clue what this song's about. Well, there's some producer going, no, 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 Mel, the kids will love this. They're going to eat it up, man. You're going to be
2: back number one, baby. Yeah, belt it out. And Mel's just, all right, this will be, okay. be your
9: white album. <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: the really white album. And Melanie going, I just do what they tell me to do. All right, right? Yeah. Originally so done
9: by Donovan. And uh, featuring actually on the original recording, Jimmy Page. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, not, not many know that. All right. Number three,
5: The Happening from the Supremes.
9: Yeah, this was a the theme to an Anthony Quinn movie I found out. In the description on the poster, four young swingers out for kicks and suddenly they've got terror by the tail. Here are the Supremes. It's the hap, hap, happiest freakout of all time. Yeah, it's supposed to like make you feel like, okay, if love is like a drug, and you wake up and you're knocked out, like maybe, I don't know, someone slipped a roofie in your drink, Diana Ross, perhaps Barry Gordy, we don't know, allegedly. Waking up, love is like a happening. You ever heard this song, Sarah Dillon? I have not. What do you think? Uh, it's kind of there. Can you, Is it have a good beat and you can dance to it?
4: Kind of sounds like a, uh, like a really bad Dolly Parton song.
9: It sounds like the, like a laugh in song. It
2: does, and it seems like this doesn't make drugs sound good or bad. This is it's this of makes, song makes kinda there. totally indifferent to mescaline. It
9: makes drugs like an LSD trip party, like you know, a Tupperware party, or possibly a place <laughs> where there's a large fishbowl <laughs> and
2: you dump your keys in. This it. is the commercial for the LSD party. LSD from Mego.
4: <laughs> this These is Happy Fun Time. Top five
2: uh, drug songs performed by somebody who clearly has never done drugs. Tim Riley?
5: Number two, incense and peppermints. Strawberry
9: Alarm clock. Yeah. This is a great song. This Isn't song it? used to yeah. terrify
2: me when I was a kid.
9: It's really bizarre. This is, a, again, kind of a bubble gummy version of a trip out. This is my album
5: 30, now golden.
9: <laughs> now, I think Mike Curb had something to do with this, and Mike Curb is like a religious freak. He's omnipresent.
2: Who is that guy on Mark and Mindy? Exodor. That's that, this guy. <laughs> see, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This guy in my head. When I pictured the singer of this band, because as a kid I had this on vinyl, but it was a compilation, like a mm-hmm. local radio station had released. Um, and so I had no idea what these guys looked like. But I remember being like six or seven years old and listening to this. And the lead
9: singer in my head, it was Exedor. Oh, that's cool. And he had and like, was, like a, a white robe. robe. Yeah. Hello,
2: Mark. Incense and Peppermints, Cabbages what? and Kings. Whoa. <laughs> and I would just be like, I can't listen to it
9: anymore. I, also, if you check out Incense and Peppermints on YouTube, there is a great cover version by a Canadian talk show host in the late 60s sitting in, like, Morticia Adams' uh, chair from the Adams family, and he's singing it in kind of a a weird kind of hip uh, smoking jacket while he has a hookah pipe and uh, incense burning. And he's doing kind of a lounge version of it. It's fantastic. Excellent.
2: These are the top five drug songs performed by somebody who clearly
5: has never done drugs in their life. Tim Riley? Number one just dropped in from Kenny Rogers in the
9: first edition. And I should note, uh, this Friday, At the Baghdad, the Big Lebowski on the big screen with Court and right. Fatboy's midnight movie. Again, you know this was a, this was supposed to say the dangers of LSD.
4: That, that's what he was trying to tell
9: you.
2: You can tell it's uh, uh,
9: about some sort of a bad trip because it begins with something played backward. Right? It sounds like a PSA. It does. And did you know originally this was recorded by Jerry Lee Lewis? Really? Yeah, he hated it. see, that's a guy you'd almost buy it from, though. I
6: I mean, you'd believe. believe. I I woke up with a 14-year-old. I don't know what happened. I just dropped (laughs) in to see what condition my condition was in.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, these are the top five songs about drugs performed by someone who has clearly never done drugs, uh, as compiled by Chris Paddock. Thank you very much. All right, excellent. Coming up straight ahead, we have more news from Tim Riley and the second half of our exclusive interview with Chris Cornell. Ladies and gentlemen, it's The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO.
1: More of the Rick Emerson Show
5: continues next. I mean, it looks like a russet potato with legs.
1: On
2: Mark 101, KUFO. It is the... I'm oh, sorry. I oh, do no. Just whacked my teeth into the microphone. Uh. It's like biting down a fork. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. 503-228-4101 is our number. File it away. You'll need it tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron Geek in the city, Duran, as well as Kelly Clark, from the Willamette Week, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, uh, what are today's biggest stories?
5: Well, I'll tell you, the fiancé of the alleged Craigslist killer, somebody's finally talked some sense into the empty noggin of her. She's dismantling the wedding. <laughs> Sumner Redstone, oh, I should get his name correct, Sumner Redstone, isn't sure whether the newspapers will be around for 10 years, and Mexico shuts down its taco stands. Really? Yes, really. Well, all right. They have to go to the U.S. for taco. What kind of country is that? Make Mexico.
2: We should ask Lou Dobbs his opinion on it. Uh, alright, it's, uh, 503-228-4101. What we're gonna do, we're gonna get, uh, caught up here, and in a moment we will have the second half of our interview with Chris Cornell. Uh, we typed that last night at the Crystal Ballroom. So we played the first half last hour. You'll be able to hear the whole thing online at kufo.com later on the day. Our whole uncut, unedited interview with Chris Cornell. The second half of that is next. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO.
8: The Rick Emerson Show returns tell you how many times somebody will be walking by a nickel oh!
3: this
0: is
8: rock 101
2: KUFO. we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day the final segment of the rick emerson show join us tomorrow and our guests will include aaron duran and kelly clark final email says rick i'm confused i thought one of the scary things about swine flu is that there's no vaccine now there was a vaccine in 1976 and we were all supposed to take it uh, all supposed to take it seems very weird to me uh, we may never know the answer sir all right. uh, we are going to present a part two of our interview with Chris Cornell. Part one aired last hour. You can hear the whole thing unedited online at KUFO.com. Uh, later on today, this is Chris Cornell talking about his new album, Scream, uh, his influences musically, and his thoughts on the movie Singles. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Cornell. From the new record looking back, you were talking about the Beatles having an amazing evolution in just a, a very compressed period of time. Yeah. Your own personal journey as an artist and your transformation, your trajectory, do you ever miss in a way the, the days of scraping and, and scratching to get by?
6: Well, I, there was a lot of distraction really. Um, you know, I remember one thing really specifically, which was that I would get up in the morning and I would go to work and I would have a tremendous amount of energy and inspiration for working on a new song, an idea that I had, or, or wanting to be able to do that. And all day long I would be at work thinking about that um, and be excited to to get home from work and then like record some part of some song or finish an arrangement or finish a song. And then I would get... Home from work, and I would be so tired that i couldn 't really do it and that and i didn 't have that energy for that inspiration anymore and I totally recognized that that um, you know that was something that it, it subsidized what I did as a musician and that was the choice I made you know I made the choice to to be a laborer to subsidize music that I wanted to create versus being a professional musician you know playing in the back of a Chinese restaurant or something but I don't think there was anything about not being able to make music as a living entirely that was that was helpful to the to the process i think all of the all of those experiences are helpful i think in the long run you know i have normal life experiences
2: listening to to the new record scream it's very obvious that you're making the music that you want to make it's the music that comes from within you and the and the experiences and influences you have that that come back out now that you have that freedom and you're in a place where you don't have to prove anything to anybody do you find it a little overwhelming thinking about which avenue to pursue of all of the choices? you have
6: I thought I started having that feeling from euphoria morning on like in 1998 I had that feeling um, you know my first thought was that my first solo album would be so easy to write and put together because the I could put on any song I wanted and I wrote lots of songs but um, then I found that it was difficult because there is uh, this situation where you go from um, being in a band scenario where you have, you know, sort of a limited number of tools to work with because you all agree on certain influences and you know everybody's capabilities and what they like and what they'll want to play. And that reduces all your possibilities. Um, being able to do anything is a, it's, it's great in terms of the feeling of the freedom, but, the, but you have to make that decision. <laughs> like, what the hell is that gonna be? And I had that crisis with Euphoria Morning. And then once that album was out, I didn't really. I I haven't really thought about it much since. I've I've felt like you know what I'm a recording artist, a songwriter. I'm not gonna really concern myself so much with um, with the big picture. I'm not trying to discover myself um, as a songwriter or a singer or um, a recording artist. I'm not trying to find that person that then defines who I am. And uh, if I did that, then I would... It would be time to quit for me.
2: I, I have to ask, as we sort of wrap this up, I, as someone who was there in the middle of the maelstrom, you might say, uh-huh. when you look back. Do you, do you feel in any way that the the movie Singles was an accurate time capsule of a certain slice of culture, at a certain slice of time? Was it an accurate representation?
6: No, I, I, mean, I, I don't. I think it was a, it was unusually like, timed. Um, I think Cameron really just naturally. Was inspired by the plays, but he wrote a Cameron Crowe movie and and placed it there. And he was really inspired by the bands and the and the characters that were in that scene. And he kind of put them into the story. And everyone had little cameos and that kind of thing. Um, but but it was his story. It was a, it was a Cameron Crowe film, really. And and you know he makes these films that I think have been copied. He sort of created a genre of filmmaking, I think. Um, but I don't, it wasn't, um, it, to me, it wasn't like a docudrama drama of the Seattle scene at all. It was just his story placed in a city, and, and he allowed those characters to kind of go to clubs and see the bands and that, that sort of thing.
2: Well, as, uh, as somebody who uh, loves music, to somebody who makes music, I want to thank you for, for being out there and doing what you do, and best of continued success in life and art and all things, my friend. Thank you very much. So thank you, sir. All right. I appreciate it. There you go. That is part two of our Chris Cornell interview. This email says, I was in a band in the 80s. We were on a tiny indie label. I got mail from Belgium constantly. There you go. Uh, Love it. You can do that whole interview at KUFO.com, ladies and gentlemen. We got uh, Buzz coming up next It Smells Like the 90s. Court and Fatboy tonight Uh 3 to 7. The Rick Emerson Show returns tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. with Aaron Duran, Kelly Clark, and more news with Tim Riley. Sarah X. Dylan is the... Uh, I'm doing it all backward now in my head. <laughs> what am I? <laughs> Produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101, in the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phone's Greg Nibbler, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. My name is Rick Emerson. It is April thirtieth, two 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. Hey, listen, see you all tomorrow. Bye.
3: And if you right. see a crack somewhere, take a with you and try to seal feel that, feel that crack.